Hello, welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I am your host, and this is my podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Salazar. Salazar is my favorite restaurant in Los Angeles. I kid you not, it's a Mexican restaurant. Uh, it's located in Frogtown. And you know what? Yeah, it's Michelin star rated. I had no idea. Somebody just alerted me to that. I'm like, are you kidding me? Because it's like this super cool place uh, by the LA River and kind of like a converted auto body, what used to be an auto body shop or something, what have you. And, you know, I went, I've been there many a time. I've had a lot of wild, crazy, fun, drunken uh, nights there, a lot of sober evenings as well. Every time I go there, I have a great time. But uh, yeah, you walk in and it's kind of like this vast desert-like place and the furniture's all cool and the tables are colorful and and all different types of people are eating there and it's like cool and hip, but then families and just like uh, professional, just all different types of people. And you're like, oh my God, you know why? Because people like good food. People love good food and it's not even super crazy expensive at all, which is like insane to me. But uh, fantastic margaritas. Get yourself a a boozy horchata beverage, if you will. Get the steak, get the tacos, whatever. Take a date there, why don't you? For me, it's one of my favorite date places. It is like, you can't go wrong. When I was single, I used to go there. I'm in a relationship now. I still go there. Always a good time. And when you're done eating and drinking at Salazar, you can uh, you know cruise on over to a place called Zebulon right next door and go dancing or hear a band play and continue drinking. So it's just like perfect. It's win-win. Take your friends who are visiting from out of town. Anyway, listen, if you want to make a reservation for parties of eight or more, do so by emailing. Uh, emailing them at info at salazarla.com. And uh, you want their address? I'll give you their address. It's 2490 Fletcher Drive, Los Angeles, California. But listen, you can just Google Salazar LA, find out all the pertinent info, but follow them on Instagram as well at Salazar Frogtown and uh, you won't regret it. I just made your next date super easy. I basically just laid out an entire plan for you. So whoever's listening, you're welcome. Uh, Anyway... Thank you, Salazar, for sponsoring today's episode. And uh, it's a good episode. It's a great episode because I talked to Danielle Beinstein. Danielle Beinstein is a psychological astrologer. Uh, she's a wizard master, if you will. She's, uh, she's just so... Her walls are down. She's so in touch. Uh, is any of this making sense? She's a psychological astrologer. And if you don't know what that means... Um, You'll find out in this episode, we talk about uh, how she found this calling, uh, the story of her life and and, uh, how it came to be, um, that she became a psychological astrologer. And she offers sessions in person in Los Angeles, as well as worldwide via Skype, phone, FaceTime. She has private workshops and retreats. Anyway, you're going to hear all of it. I thought we were just going to talk for about an hour. Yeah. Two hours later, I could have talked to her like for an eon. Uh, so it's such a fun conversation. It's a romp. We talk about love and relationships as per usual because I can't not talk about those things with my guests. Uh, you know, working through past trauma and you know, and just just turning yourself inside out to find out who you are and what all your uh, 
blocks are and and things you can do to, you know, I don't know, reach self-actualization and, uh, you know, be the 2.0 version of yourself. You'll see. Just stick around listen to the episode. Uh, if you want to find her on Instagram, you totally should. Uh, she's fascinating and just like... I don't know. I don't know if she refers to herself as this, but I ref- I think of her as this. She's such a healer. She's so deep and profound and thoughtful and great at what she does. And uh, yeah, as a facilitator for for healing. So find her on Instagram at Danny Beinstein. And uh, you can visit her website to book an appointment and find out more about her at DanielleBeinstein.com. And listen, if you like this podcast, if you like the Love Alexi podcast, subscribe on iTunes, rate the show, leave a comment. You can always send emails uh, about anything and everything. Send your emails to me at dearlovealexi at gmail.com. You and I should definitely be friends on Instagram at Alexi Wasser. And if you would like to advertise on this podcast, this very podcast, uh, all you have to do is DM me. Yeah, shoot me a DM on Instagram at Alexi Wasser. And uh, what else can I say? Nothing. Sit back and relax and enjoy my conversation with Danielle Beinstein. All right. So is it, you go by Danielle Beinstein? Yeah, you can do Danielle. Oh, you spell it. Yeah, you pronounce it perfectly. Beinstein, Danielle yeah. Beinstein? Yeah. You don't go by Danny. No. Some yeah. people do, like my. Who are these fam- people? Uh, yeah, okay. oh, your family. Well, okay. because also. Instagram, it's like Danielle Beinstein just felt like so long. So yeah. when I created the handle, I just did Danny Beinstein. But yeah. people do call me Danny. I'm not attached. I'm going to call you Danielle. Okay. Danielle. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm Alexi. <laughs> okay. I'm like clearly just waking up. Are you cozy enough? Do yeah. you want to get in the nook? Do what you need to do. You, really? can, put your, you can put your shoes up on there too if you want to like leave your I'm shoes on. You. All right. Do you do whatever you want to do. I just want to make sure I'm like bossy and telling you how to be cozy. Um, okay. We're going to launch right into it. You're at a party. Uh, in Tinseltown, and yeah. somebody's like, you know, ask that question. What do you do? Uh-huh. What do you say? A psychological astrologer. Psychological astrologer. Yeah. Now unpack this for my audience. For me, what does this mean? What does this entail? Because I say that, and then most people are like, "What, what? does that mean? Tell yeah. me about that." Yeah. And then that's why I don't really go to parties because it becomes like, <laughs> yeah. And you don't tell um, your, you don't tell no. your Lyft drivers that either, right? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I'm also an introvert, so that probably that's probably accounts for more of the reasoning, but. Um, so basically, the, you know, astrology, at least when I was growing up, the idea was it was like a horoscope in the back of a magazine or a horoscope in the back of a newspaper, and it was really reductive. And psychological astrology takes, it takes into account that we are energy, and we are made up of energy, and that we are made up of certain archetypes and a particular mix of those archetypes. And so what I do is I look at the natal chart and I explore all the aspects um, inherent to the native of that chart. Inherent to the negative of that native. chart? Oh, native, oh, like oh, native oh. being the person whose chart it is. Inherent to the native of the chart. Okay, um, yeah. And then explore that with them. I also have a master's in spiritual psychology. Where did you get that? It's a program called University of Santa Monica, um, which is, they're no longer doing master's. That's all they've ever done. That's a husband and wife team there. I think maybe early 80s now, at least late 70s. I've been doing it for 40 years. Um, it's very particular. It's not. It's not DSM. It's not. Um, what is DSM? Like oh, DSM a, is like the book yes. with like like basically it's not. It's not about diagnosis. 
It's more about um, seeing everything through the lens of self-forgiveness and with a spiritual context. So that was transformative to me on a personal level. And then there were many tools that I acquired there that I've used myself, that I've facilitated others. It's a very experiential program, which is why I like it. It's not like you just take notes. You are your own test case and then you're working with people every time you're there. Oh my God, wait, so how did you end up finding that place? Because you went to NYU, didn't you? I did. I went to NYU undergrad and was kind of on a track to be originally in politics or at least political media and then... I yeah. really went the other way. Yeah, I went or, the other yeah, way. Yeah, you went, went a different way. way. Yeah. Totally. And then um, moved out here, kind of an intuitive hunch when I was 25, got a car in Colorado um, and drove from Colorado. And You were born and raised in New York? I was. My, my parents um, ended up building a house in Colorado. What do they do? So my mom was a homemaker. Um, and my dad was an entrepreneur. Do they, do they, do they understand what you do at all? Are they supportive? They did not understand what I do now. Now my dad is mystified, but he's, he's super supportive, um, and really proud, but also confused. You know, he really tries, like, he'll be like, I read this thing in the New York Times about astrology. Like, he really tries. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Or he'll be like, there's a piece in the Atlantic, you know? Um, Yeah. But so he is, he is very supportive. My mother is um, a very, very complicated human being. um, And whose isn't? And um, she, she, um, she's very kind of philosophically minded and psychologically minded and a huge reader. And so I got that from her. Um, And then my dad is entrepreneurial and also very psychologically astute and not formally educated. Mm -hmm. But that's why he wanted us to be. I'm one of four. Oh, wow. So that was like a very big focus growing up in Manhattan, private school, all of that. I was really fortunate to have that education and also it had its downsides because of the culture of it. Um, but anyway, so I was on this kind of track, but always, always inside of me felt different or felt, you know, I was always the one that was labeled like intense or... Oh God, me too. Know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. I think it's the way to be, but it's, it's, totally. a, lot, it's a lot for people sometimes. Yeah. Also, like, and yeah. like when you're a kid, it's like people, you know, a lot of kids just want to have fun and I was just not fun minded. Ah! I was just not... <laughs> Yeah, right. I wasn't. I was just like I. I mean, my boyfriend makes fun of me all the time after I told him this. But I, I asked for more homework oh, at did? recess. But like you know, yeah. And then my my friends, my best friend growing up when I was little, at least in second grade, um, her mom worked at Scholastic, and I asked for textbooks. Oh, how fun! Like I was. <laughs> that is fun. I was like way. very. I was very curious, but always around. Um, English and literature and that kind of thing. Um, I loved language, loved words. So I don't know. We can went off track. No, no, Colorado. So your your parents go there. You get a car. You like intuitively know to get the car and go come over to Los Angeles. Yeah. So I come here and then get a job in the industry. Um, What were you doing? Hollywood industry. Yeah. I mean, in LA. Yeah. But uh, right for Um, for my listeners who don't know what we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Somebody's actually sent me an email or like 
what do they do? Oh, they sent me a DM being like, love your podcast. Here's a little constructive criticism though. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. Constructive criticism. I'm not asking for, I don't know you. Leave me alone. All right. What is it? She was like, when you and your guests talk about Hollywood insiders and celebrity or Hollywood specific showbiz things, like it makes me feel very excluded. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be a dick to my listener, but I, I was like, what am I supposed to do? Tell my guess what not to talk about or we have to feel stifled. Well, also what I would... We That's just, more about we her. We a very trigger happy world. You can't even talk about Tinseltown. Right. <laughs> and so I think that, I think to me, the opportunity there, and this may sound nauseating, but the opportunity there is I feel excluded. Why do I feel excluded? Where does that, where does the root of that feeling of excluded come from? Yeah. How can I heal that to feel more belonging? And then come at this with curiosity yes. rather than... You know, put it on me like I've done something wrong to her. Yeah, yeah, but I mean that there's just so much projection and mirroring that happens in our world and with social media, and we're so niche. And at the same time, everybody wants to feel like they're a participant, so they want to feel included. Yeah, but at the same time, they're also drawn to things that are. Exclusive, so it's it's, uh, it's yeah, and then I get all complex. defensive and reactive yeah. when I, I don't have to. It's, yeah. I don't have to be this way. Yeah. But uh, okay, so you come. Lo- so you're you're. What did you? What were you doing in in Hollywood in showbiz? So I was working for an entertainment law firm, which is kind of like working for an agency out here. It's like, um, and by that, it's like you just get in. You get an insider view of Hollywood. Yeah, and. Um, what did you see? What did you notice? Oh, well, God. you know, I so the big part of my journey was because I had a very um, dominating father, but also one that I felt very close to. My father was, he kind of played all roles to me. So I was very, very close to him. And so whenever I would go in the work world, or even like when I was in school, when I would have male professors, I, I always sought their approval. And, um, always, always, and I did that from an angle of, I wanted to be seen as smart because that's my dad's number one thing. He just thinks smart women are fantastic and raised me that way. And so, um, that was my tool and it was very confusing to me as I got older and I was like, wait a second, not all men care if I read the economist, like they just don't care. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Uh, So that was, that was a. That was a learning curve of, oh, right, intimacy is about emotional connection. Um, not proving I can do the crossword puzzle. But so I, um, I took that lens into that world and I was working around a lot of high-powered males and I sought their approval um, and that was not healthy. And I, I can totally relate to this. I totally, can. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Anyway, keep going. But I had a thing where I was also like, and I'm, I'm going to say this for me and whether or not you agree with it, you probably shouldn't say on a podcast, but I'll out myself. I found that I, had, I was like in, an internal misogynist because, well, I think that's because my dad was, but also he yeah. looked at women like, yeah, I wanted approval intellectually and sexually, like yeah. both yeah. at the same level though, like which is too much. And then I looked at other women like they weren't smart but then I'd reconcile that I'd have to be like oh wait but I'm a woman so I'd had this like internal battle with myself of I don't know and then I had to get over that and I did thank god but it was like a real internal struggle 
I really don't think you're alone there. I think really? that's more common. I think that's why whatever put, your politics is, that's why 52% of white women voted for Trump. Oh, I you're think so that, right. Oh my God, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think we we carry that within ourselves. And and I, I, I noticed, sorry, I didn't mean to draw, yeah, I'm totally no. I, I I would notice myself like I'd have a, a female, I have a female friend and I'd love her. And when we're by ourselves, it was great. And then I noticed if we're in front of a guy, whether or not I liked him or not, or was attracted to him or not, I would find myself speaking to her to impress him in kind of a shitty way. And I I was like, oh, fuck, I'm doing this horrible thing. Anyway, uh, okay. I don't know. I mean, I think that it's not horrible. It's where you were in your level of consciousness. Yeah. Now I'm evolved. Now I'm better. <laughs> no, but I think it's I think it's a really I think it's a really big issue in our culture and I see I see 13-year-old girls sexualizing their themselves on social media and then I see other ones that feel you know they're scared of their sexuality, which is more what what I experienced, but I th- I think that it's just everything it seems to be for the male gaze. Now I think that's shifting. Yeah. But um I certainly wrestled with that in a really big way. And, you know, I, I can agree with you. I think, or I had a similar experience in that I was, I, I operated my own kind of misogyny, but I also kind of saw myself as, um, it was obviously inferior. I felt both highly inferior to other women because I did not have my my sexuality was very very shut down and i was very i didn't understand it i was very confused about it and so i thought something was wrong with me so i countered that with an overemphasis on pop culture political intellectual awareness um and conversation and um and neither of those are the avenue. The true avenue is like heart-centered connection. Yeah. But I, I, I wrestled with myself and I think I, I had self-loathing. Me too. So yeah. I think that was kind of my particular angle. And I, I had a lot of envy of girls who seemed to be dating and learning. And the only way that I could handle that within myself because I didn't have... I wasn't ready to expose myself in that way emotionally was to hold myself up as kind of righteous, as like holier than thou. Oh, wow. Um, I totally get that. I don't know if other people experienced that for me. I'm sure they did. But that that looking back, I have a lot of compassion it's for my, my younger self because yeah. I think that she was just really confused and, and um, kind of over-identified... I, with my father and and was just operating out of a lot of confusion. But it's so nice that you can look back at it, identify it, think about it, have distance from it and reflect on it. Like, yeah, yeah a lot of people can't do that. So yeah. that's such an, yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's why I, I feel like aging is a privilege. Oh God, yeah. And I think that it's so interesting to me. I think it's shifting, but this like cultural thing about aging, to me it's like, Oh, thank God, because I, I mean, I, I had fun in my 20s, but no way. Yeah. 
when I want to return there. Oh, God. I was fronting so hard. Yeah. Oh, my God. Fronting. Yeah. Like, and my thing was uh, not being self-righteous. Maybe kind of my thing was like just making jokes, like yeah. being, you know, the, the court jester or something, or being sarcastic or just like trying to make yeah. people laugh and yeah, prove how smart I am, but make jokes all the time and... Yeah. Anyway, that's exhausting. I think it is exhausting, and I, I think we're all uh, aging so great now, though. Too, I do too. I, I feel like I look like, better. I have so many friends. I have a really strong friendship group. Um, Stop bragging. Just who are, kidding. Who are, <laughs> so, all right, you got friends. That took a lot cool. of work. <laughs> that took a lot oh, of work. Really? Yeah. You're a loner because I'm a loner. Because I'm a. Why loner? do I keep trying to identify with you? I'm like me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Like me. <laughs> anyway, okay. Have you a friend? What were you saying? <laughs> no. Oh God, now I'm making jokes. <laughs> oh no. Nothing has changed, but I like women though, as friends. Okay, keep going. What were you saying? Yeah, so I, no, I just, I didn't understand. Um, There's a great, there's a great Dar Williams, the folk singer, has a song called As Cool As I Am, when it's all about um, seeing women as competitive when she's younger and then coming to realize, like, you got to be part of the sisterhood. Um, And I was just, that line was kind of running. She was like, I was, I was no sister then. Um, but you know, when I was younger, I, um, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't feel connected to women, but now I have a lot of, um, female friends who are a lot older, not a lot, but like a decade older than me. Yeah. They're all listening. They're like, how dare you? (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) And they, I mean, they look fantastic. I feel like they look, you know, younger than me and I'm a decade. And so I also have none of that thing of like, yeah. You know, I want to be, I don't know. I, I agree. I think we're on a, on a physical level, but I actually think it's actually at a deeper level, a spiritual, emotional thing that's shining through the skin. Is that true? I don't know. That's my theory. I think it's because I'm so emotionally stunted that if I got psychologically <laughs> healthy, my whole face would just drop. <laughs> it's just over Limiting belief. Ah, is that what that is? <laughs> God, I thought it was expansive because it was it keeps me radiant. Anyway, but uh, I always liked having friends who are older than me because I thought, oh, I'm gonna, I can learn from them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can steal all their knowledge and wisdom. But uh, yeah. wait, so you're you come? Okay, so you're you're at the firm. You're at the entertainment firm. I'm gonna yeah. try to keep us on a. Oh, sorry. Try, I know we're tangential, and then we get back. Yeah. It's my job. Okay, okay. So then you're you're there. How long are you there for? What? Oh, made like you not leave? long at all. But yeah. you know when you're younger, like six months feels like an eternity. Yeah. yeah. So maybe six months, um, and then I, I left, and I had this flirtation going with someone who worked there, and we didn't get together then. What were you doing there, though? Were you a lawyer? No, what, no, were you? I wasn't a lawyer. I was like, a, I was an assistant. Yeah, but it's like it's like being an assistant to an agent. Yeah. It's like the same thing. Sounds like it could be brutal, but there's a flirtation. That's exciting. Okay, that's let's get back to that. You Who's think it? it's exciting, okay. but it's it turned out to be incredibly toxic and unhealthy. Um, so my favorite. Those are great. Yeah. Okay. So that that long story short, that landed me flat on my face um, about three years or four years later, three or four years later, and I. Um, all the while I had like random gigs in Hollywood, you know, like working for like random producers that you think are going to like really start creating very cool content, but then you just realize everybody's, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Oh God. Like all of those. Then I worked all over the Fox lot, which was fun and interesting, but it was kind of all leading nowhere. And everybody that I met 
you know, I ended up playing this role again to these like older male figures and all of them kind of wanted to mentor me in their way. But I just was like, I don't know. I was just torn up inside and really confused. And so this, this, what turned into be like a relationship, non-relationship, cat, mouse, toxicity, painful experience actually became my rebirthing. So that, that, landed me at the master in the master's program. So I was kind of like, what do I want to do? Cause I would look around and I was like, I don't what, whoever the top dog is here in Hollywood. Like, I don't want to, I don't want the job. So what am I doing? Yeah. Like meaning the part of me that was kind of achievement focused, like it, what is my goal here? Because I love the content, but I never saw myself as capable of creating the content, which is funny because I also think there was a part of me that wanted to be a screenwriter and I took a class and I wrote, wrote something, but I just didn't have that. Um, I didn't have that gumption in that way. I didn't have that. I had very strong points of view in terms of conversation, but I just had so much insecurity that the idea of putting something I wrote out there was just terrifying. So I ended up, so I was like, what do I want to do? I don't know, but this program it wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm going to be a facilitator or a coach or a counselor or a psychological astrologer. I was like, I just need this for me. That's all I know right now. Wow. How did it even pop up? Like, how did you discover this place existed? So I had discovered it years before. I think my, my oldest sister had told me about it. Um, she doesn't live out here, but she had heard about it through someone and... I heard about it and then I kind of kept hearing about it on just the, in the west side of L.A., and then I went, um, I was going to go for an information evening and didn't write a, about when I, um, when I started dating, not dating, you know, those relationships that oh, are like God. on off and like, you're just, your whole thing is wrapped up around like, yes. they're going to figure it out and we're going to be together, but that never happens unless you're like 0.02% of the people that it actually happens to. Yeah. And then you're like right. pulling, it's like this feeling of like psychically yeah. like pulling like, Oh God, I got his attention yeah. or, or where is he? Oh, he's gone again. Oh right. God. Oh, it's the worst. You yeah. feel so out of control. Your whole life ends up just staring at your phone. You know what I mean? And, and your life slips away and you're like, how did this happen? You give yes. all your power away. I, yeah. Can't relate. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. So that's happening. So you're going to go to the information night. And then, um, this is actually really, it's almost like you couldn't write it in a movie. So I'm waiting outside of, um, of the building to go into the information evening and said man calls me and says, and basically asked me out on the first date. So I didn't end up at the information evening. Oh my! It was like a test. Like Lacey Phillips would be like, it's yeah, a, which it's I, which I failed. I failed, but also I realized like I didn't. In a way, I didn't have enough material to go into them. Like it's better. You hadn't hit rock bottom yet. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So then rock bottom comes, and I'm like, what about that program? That's what I should do. So I sign up, and I'm you know in there and resistant, and like this isn't intellectually, you know vigorous and whatever story I was telling myself, but it, it did, it broke down my walls, which I needed it to. And, um, it was a three-year program. And then I kind of did two years of apprenticeship where I read other students' papers. So you kind of help grade them and guide them. So it's kind of like an apprenticeship. They call it the reading program, which they're not doing anymore because they're not doing the master's program. So I came out of that 
But as I was at that program, uh, my friend Paula Malitz and I started these new moon circles, just kind of like on a whim in her home in Venice. And we just, we started out, we were like just paperless post, you know, just like donation based. Yeah. And um, what would happen at these moon sessions? I would talk about the astrology and and we would, we would facilitate, Manifestation. We facilitate um, writing intentions, which is essentially manifestation. So that started in 2000. We started that in 2013. We did it for three years. Um, she then on. She then went on to found Women's Space. Okay. So I don't know if you've heard Women's Tell Space in Culver that. City. Oh. It's a space just for women, but she's continuing to do the circles, and I transitioned into into doing full time one on one one-on-one work. Um, so anyway, so that, yeah, that's kind of how it all transpired. Oh, oh my goodness. But there's a, there's a kind of, I'm missing a key component, which is about three years into doing those circles, um, in September of 2016, I had been teaching meditation at Unplugged Meditation, which is in West LA. I did, when, I did your five-minute meditation oh, you on did? the website, and I was like, this is amazing. Thank I was you. like, I feel great. I think it was like a, like midnight last night I need to I wanted to feel like refreshed and like just just you know whatever yeah. I was like very happy with uh, the experience just five minutes so that, that was over yeah and I was like I felt good okay keep going I love that <laughs> oh my god that makes me so happy yeah so um I did that and then um September of 2016 I was like I need to figure I was living at my sister's like who had I have two older sisters one of whom had moved out here I was not financially self-sustaining. Um, but I knew that I was on a path to something. So I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put everything in storage. I'm going to tell unplug. Um, I'm taking a month sabbatical. I don't know what's going to happen on the other side of that sabbatical. And I am going to drive up North, um, at up North in California and just kind of go on this road trip. I'd set it all up. I was going to stay at a bunch of different Airbnbs. Day one of the road trip, um, my car flipped four times on the 101 and I ended up upside down, sideways and diagonal (gasps) on the 101 South. I'd been going 101 North and I had a near death experience. Oh my God. Where I only have this tiny little scar on my, um, if you can see it on my hand. This one, yeah. But like, and some some remaining um, pain on my lower left back, but basically unscathed and there's no, if I showed you a picture of the car, there's no reason I should be alive. So that, um, I don't know, I'm not going to pretend to know the mystical components of it. I know something happened that was enormously transformative because... I did. First of all, I didn't think I was coming. I, I remember the moment where I thought, "Oh, f- this is it. I'm I'm leaving this planet." And I had had all these really strange occurrences where, like, in the month leading up to the accident, I had had all the like closure conversations that I needed to have. Like oh. everything was like level. Like I had no debt. I had like everything was just cleared. So if I had gone, it, it, I mean my family and the people who loved me, I think would have been quite upset, but, but there was no, from my soul, I felt complete. So I remember that moment and I was like, oh my God, this is it. 
And I remember feeling like an, a peace that felt like ecstasy because I didn't, I knew that I didn't have control. I knew that what was happening was happening and there was no way to control it. I have no idea what caused it to this day. I don't know what caused it. There were tons of witnesses. No one knows what caused it. Um, so I remember going, okay, well, if I'm going to be here, if I'm going to be here, the one thing that I've never had the experience of is falling in love. Oh, really? I was like, I've never had that. I've fallen in infatuation. I've been obsessive, but I've never had true love. And I was like, if I'm going to be here, I'm, I'm going to have that experience. And I had this vague feeling of like six months of the day. I'm um, six months. I'm going to meet someone. And then six months of the day, I met my now boyfriend oh, in a no. coffee shop in Venice. And, um, you know, you never know what happens in relationship or how, how long two people come together. But um, he, he is, I, I feel like the great love of my life. Um, and it's, it's not easy. We come from very different backgrounds. And, and but I, the expansiveness and the learning that has occurred in this relationship and the level of um, the level of heart-centeredness and soul connection, it it's been transformative. So I don't and and my work kind of just reached a new level. So I don't know what happened exactly in that accident. Um, when I went back, when I went back to the USM, I went to go speak to the, the head teacher and she had said to me, cause I was just like disoriented. Like, what is this? What just happened? Um, and she said it was a spiritual convergence. What does that mean? I don't still quite understand, but I guess it's the idea of like everything had to come together in that moment because I, to, to realign me with my soul's purpose. Oh my God. Yeah. So, I mean, here I am, this like, you know, Jewish New York girl or raised, raised Jewish. I have a, I I felt very drawn to Christianity since I was a teenager, but raised Jewish in Manhattan, um, like academic, um, certainly had my share of trauma, but, but nothing in comparison to what a lot of people experience, um, and I don't know. It's like it's just so strange to me that this that this this is the path I'm on. Yeah. But yet it feels so it feels so in alignment. I'm just listening all these things not to <laughs> not to make it about me, but it's shocking because my car I was on a freeway. <laughs> yeah. This was like a, a little while back. Yeah. And I was driving. I didn't know what happened. I mm-hmm. spun out. I did yeah. like six donuts. Yeah. I was really high up. I, I, I like started going backwards, like just uh, yeah. careening towards the the guardrail. And if yeah. I had like you could go to this guardrail to commit suicide to jump, yes. it's so high up. And I and I just remember thinking, I'm going to go over the guardrail. Like, yeah. and I I remember having this moment. You know, everything's in slow motion. Yes. I'd never done donuts before. I didn't even know that's what they were called until people referred <laughs> to them later. Like spinning around six times, going around in slow motion, feeling totally out of control. But it's slow motion. And I'm thinking. Oh my God, this is how I'm gonna die. Like, you know, yeah. like that's why I'm can relate. I'm just yeah. it's surreal. It's surreal. And I'm like, you know, 
talking to my angels all of yeah. a sudden and I'm like, oh my God, I, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And I'm saying like, and this is embarrassing, yeah. but whatever I'm saying, and I'm like, I didn't even get to make, make my movie because <laughs> I do write and I want to make my own feature yeah. film. I've been saying this forever. My listeners are probably like, make it already. <laughs> but anyway, but, uh, and I hit the guardrail and it, all the glass exploded from the back of the, the car in the car, back oh car window. I, I ricocheted back into the middle of the freeway, stopped. No cars have been going. Yeah. It was just me on the freeway for some reason. But when I stopped in the middle of the freeway, all of a sudden all these cars started coming around the bend and I'm stopped in the middle and cars are coming at full. Were you anyway, conscious through all this? I was conscious through all this, but it's all happening in slow motion. And then I, I got out of the car, which I now learned you're yeah. not supposed to do, but I did anyway. And somebody I knew drove by it was really weird and I and they helped me through anyway all this stuff but but yeah that kind of moment I don't think I I forget how important when you tell me the story I'm yeah. like oh my god a spiritual convergence and all these things and what comes to mind and and like what pops up and slow motion and you're like fuck like you we all know we're gonna die we just yeah. don't know when and how or when our, when our souls are gonna leave this body and but yeah, it is such a shocking thing to be like oh this is how it's gonna be or or to yeah. be and then to get through that and it's important to remember the significance of moments like that. So you're just reminding me of not to make everything about me, but just yeah. to relate to what you're saying. And and I, I mean, I've had a lot of relationships, but, and it's a very hard thing for me to have relationships, yeah. even though I'm addicted to love and I love codependence and all these things and all that. But when you're talking about how you, you're, you're you know, the love of your life right. and right. You're, you're learning all these things, I have a few things I want to say, mm. but I, I'm, I'm in a relationship. I did Lacey's, Lacey yeah. Phillips partnership thing and because I had hit rock bottom like really hard like mm-hmm. after a few really bad relationships so I did her whole thing and then I met this guy and he's so healthy compared mm-hmm. to me and he's not he's like very handsome those handsome man I've ever dated just kind uh, just uh what is he reliably consistent mm-hmm. and uh and I'm like a child of chaos and all mm-hmm. this stuff yeah and I've been telling people like I've with him I feel like I'm learning how to love in a real way where I thought I knew how when you say like obsessive compulsive and in lust with a person or I want to own somewhere it's an ego thing I want to cast a spell I want to win him over like you know but I've had long distance things and this and that and like addict boyfriends and codependence and I lose myself and it's just so I can lose myself so I don't have to do my own life so I can yeah you know like you had your thing with the person and so as hard as it is with this relationship I'm in right now Cause it isn't easy. Cause I have to, he doesn't, I have to, he doesn't let anything slide, yeah. you know? Like I know what I, that's like. Oh, I'm like, like, I've caused me. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Really? Mm, <laughs> I, I know if I, if, just, I, if I, if I use the wrong, a, a rude tone. Yes. Oh, if I'm same a thing. dick. Same thing. That's not, you know. It's not okay. Yeah. You should say I'm sorry. Yes. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh, now <laughs> I've ruined everything again. <laughs> I'm the worst. And then I just feel all this shame mm. and then I'm angry and then I have to put it on them, but it's because I'm embarrassed by my own behavior. Yeah. And so it's like with this thing, it's like, it's been, it's been so wonderful, so beautiful, so cathartic and lovely and meditative. And when it's great, it's great. But then there's this other side where it's like, wow, I'm really forced to learn. I thought I knew what love is, but I, I, or love was, but I didn't. And I'm learning and it's, it's great, but it's also like, whoa, it's like I'm going to college for learning how to love. So anyway, I just like all everything. All I saying. feel that I, I completely can relate to all of that. And, you know, and yet I'm grateful for it. Yeah, grateful. As, okay. But he's like, did you, he's like, he's like, did you, he's like, did you, did you need to use that tone? He's like, you would never use that tone with your clients ever. And I was like, that is true. Yeah. I mean, you know, 
he's like, I, he's like, I feel like you are beyond loving with your clients, which I am because I'm in an unconditionally loving space. He's like, but with me, sometimes you can be harsh, but I'm, I have to say that I, I've been doing better lately. Like me I'm pretty, too. I, I feel like I've really... <laughs> kind of. A little bit. Yeah. But it's a... Yeah, it's a process. And I think that it's like, you know, when you're when you're raised in a home where it's chaos and it's withholding and it's, um, you know, the love is conditional. Conditional love. And narcissism. Oh. You know, how are you reflective of me? And I mean, I think, I think that's so common because I think that there are so many... Um, so many children, especially, especially millennials who I see who are, um, were raised by this idea where they are reflections of their parents. So they have a core anxiety of wanting to, to appease their parents. And then they think, oh, love means I have to be perfect or love means I have to achieve or love me, you know, instead of saying, oh, I'm inherently worthy. It's like that Oprah thing of like, I wish everybody could learn like their core worthy is yeah. the thing. And it doesn't mean, you know, it, it, it's deeper than like material. It's like belonging and um, respect and dignity and feeling heard. And um, I, I, I think that these things are, are the fundamental desires that we have. And I think in a culture that's, I mean, we live in LA, right? But in a culture that at least coastally is all about external achievement, it can be really confusing because then we apply that objectification to our partners and our partners aren't objects, they're souls. Oh yeah. I want their validation. It's like, yeah. yeah. Or conversely, they being this person validates my existence. Oh God, that's just too much pressure. Yeah, it's just too much. Or I mean, it just, it's hard to have true intimacy if you're seeing someone as an object. An object to make me feel good about myself. Yeah. So, for example, Oof, right. like, um, you know, it can be anything. Whatever your currency is. So, if your currency is fame, or your currency is beauty, or your currency is numbers in a bank account, or, or your currency is Ivy League, or your currency is even like um, religiosity or moral rectitude. It's like if you are placing your worth on that person choosing you because that person has those qualities that you value. A, you're discounting your own your own association with those things or your own ability to achieve them, but also you're not seeing that person as a human being. You are seeing them as an object to be acquired. Oh my God. You're so right. And I see that a lot. And I see that a lot with like manifestation lists of like, I want him to have this, this, and this. And then I get this all the time with my clients. He was everything on my list, but I didn't feel a soul connection. Well, put that on the list. You it's, like, uh, should, it's like operating, like going reverse, right? It's like we should be putting. I'm having a bite of a cliff bar. I'm getting too <laughs> little blood sugar. Do you need anything? No, okay, no, keep talking. It's amazing. Like, you know, I seek, what I want is a heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul relationship. What I want is emotional security. Um, what I want is connection. What I want is reliability, consistency, availability. But that rarely is that the list. Usually the list is six to dark hair, yes. handsome. Yes. You know what I mean? So I think that that's... Um, famous, you know, has, you know, drives a Ferrari, whatever that is, 
Um, and yet we're all obsessed culturally with like the show, This Is Us, which is all about Mandy I've Moore's never, character picking never, the, me- the mechanic with the heart of gold over, you know, the fancy dude. So oh. I think like there's this disconnect in our culture where we, we, our head wants one thing, our heart wants, not that someone who isn't very successful also can't be heart centered. I don't mean to say that at all. Um, but I, I think that we are a culture that operates out of our head completely. And then we get confused why we feel lonely and the suicide rate is higher than it's ever been. And the wealth income gap is is higher than it's ever been since the 1930s. And we're like, why are we so lonely? Yeah. And it's like, where where's our value system been? Achievement and acquisition. That's never going to bring fulfillment. Like since the beginning of time. Now, I love beautiful things. I love to travel. Me too. You know, um, I hope to to get a house because I really would love to design a house as a creative expression and a feeling of home. Um, so I'm not. I desire is a part of of being human, but it's if it's never going to fulfill. You know, the childhood wounds. It's never going to. F- and like the funny thing is, is like. All the people who are the most successful say that. It's like Jim Carrey's famous quote, right? It's oh, like, God, I wish yeah. everybody could be rich and famous so they saw it wasn't the answer. Yeah. But until we get to whatever our bar is or we climb whatever our particular mountain is, we tend to go, no, but, I, no, but I'm telling you, like, I know that I would be happy. Yeah. And then we get there and we're like, wait. Wait, why do I still feel empty? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I have chosen the mechanic with the heart of gold, even though he's uh, he's not a mechanic. <laughs> no, but, but uh, you know what? I, and yeah, that's not yeah. to say that you know that there aren't very successful men who are who are very heart centered. Right, you saying, already said that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. Don't worry. We they, they hear you. But uh, but no, but because I used to always think it's a horrible thing to admit. But yeah, I I always want like a famous guy mm-hmm. or a guy. Not that I wasn't attracted to to them. Somebody just yeah. making all this noise out there. What's going on over it? Anyway, whatever. I'm like, it's a garbage truck. <laughs> Perfect. Anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I'd always want like, I'd want to be a successful director or mm-hmm. well-known or, or yeah. respected. Really? Is this garbage truck? Oh, my God. This is, <laughs> I've never podcasted this early. I didn't know that the garbage <laughs> truck oh, on a Thursday. It's a Thursday. Okay, whatever. Anyway. And then I realized it's like I was trying to swim up to get real close to what I want to be and then hide behind the man. Exactly. Or, or if he's really successful, then I can identify with his, his, his success. Then it's mine, but it isn't really. That's exactly what I'm referring to. Yeah, and now I find I'm in this thing where I'm like, because I wrote on my list for the Lacey Phillips partnership yeah. workshop thing, it was like, oh, by the way, it was like it was like eight pages of this huge, <laughs> like blank, unlined, yeah. you know, blick notebook or whatever, like as if I was like a tweaker on like methamphetamines, yeah. whatever, uh, front and back side of everything yeah. I want. And it was like, you know, tall, dark, yeah. handsome, whatever, down to like the kind of car he drove. I, yeah. yes, yes, I wrote that. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm a monster. I'm not. Okay, I got to stop saying these things about myself. Anyway. But for You're me, human. I'm human, and I I can. And you live in LA. I live in Los Angeles. <laughs> it's not. It's it's it's, it's true. It's not a lie. Um, but I was like, honest. I can. Uh, mm-hmm. I can trust him. Integrity. Like so, all of that. You know, not a cheater. Reliable. Mm-hmm. Like that does what he says. Says well, whatever. Right. And I can't believe. It. And then in the when I talked to him, and I one time I asked him, I was like, how would people describe you? And uh, I think I was like testing him, wanting to fight yeah. somehow. 
And he was like, reliably consistent. And then I was like, how will people describe me? Like, and he was like, emotionally unstable. And I was like, oh, you know, when he's not wrong. But anyway, uh, I don't know, yin and yang. But uh, yeah, I made sure that was, that's so important. That somebody's not a cheater. They're not a liar. They're not a sociopath. They're not like a, anyway. But uh, yeah, I can't focus with this garbage being taken out. Is this I a, think, is this you a know metaphor? what, honestly, it's growing up in New York City, this yeah. is ambient noise to Oh, it me. is? It yeah, just, like, I don't, I barely notice it. Adds it adds another layer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right, good. It's just, uh, yeah. Text- We're metaphorically taking out the garbage, exactly. so it's all good. And it's texture. Texture for the podcast. Yes. For the pod. That's <laughs> so gross. Anyway. Where are you from? Are I you was from here? born and raised in Hollywood. Really? Which is so funny because I'm like... Because, you know, and I live, I, you know, I'm not going to get my address out, but I live so close to Erewhon. And then you see everybody who like gets off the bus to like be famous and, and mm-hmm. Erewhon it's, is, I it's mean. such a scene. My boyfriend won't even go. He literally won't walk in there. He just is like, I can't, the scene. It's too much. Insane. And yeah. I'm like sauntering in. He's like, did you really just spend like. Five extra dollars on a stalk of celery. I know. That's what everybody says. It's like $40 on an avocado. That's like that's like the running joke. And I've had the pleasure of like watching my boyfriend because he's British. Uh, and, oh, you really? Know, I'm with a Kiwi. You are? Yeah. Oh, I was with an Australian guy for like five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now I've been my, my British boyfriend for like a year and a half. Commonwealth. It's really I like exciting. the Commonwealth. Me too. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's, that's texture to our, our life and our relationship yes. too. Yeah. Um, but I've had the pleasure of like, because he hasn't lived in Los Angeles that long, definitely mm-hmm. not as long as me. I was born and raised here. But now bef- he had never heard of Erewhon, never been mm-hmm. there. And now he's gone from never having heard of Erewhon to like being able to make Erewhon jokes. <laughs> like, yeah, Erewhon, am I right? Like, oh, what's that? All? You know, like, oh. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like, you're really LA now. This it's is like- very LA specific. Yeah. Erewhon is is extremely Uh-oh. LA specific. My listener is going to yes. be like, there she goes, talking about Erwan. What's that on the inside? It is you a know. grocery store. It's a very highfalutin. Yeah, it's a grocery store. A lot of all uh, organic. All organic, uber expensive, the place to be and to be seen. But yet, I have it's very expensive and yet I love the it. like <laughs> the plates where you can get like the pro to like the salmon with the two veggie sides is We're getting actually real not inside crazy. Now. It's, it's not crazy. It's like 12.99. Yeah. Yeah. And it's better than if you went to a restaurant 100%, you know. Yeah. Anyway. I remember once I said it to my boy. I was like, this is like 16 or whatever, 16 bucks, 12 bucks. He's like, oh, really? That's a lot of food for that. Okay, that's yeah. not terrible. All right. He's All right. Like, not, the, not the $7 celery. It's not $7, but. I bet it is. Erwan yeah. wins this round. All right. Okay. We're back into Erwan. And yet I still go there because Me it's, too. it's close. And there's something about it that makes me go like, if I'm in a good mood, I'm like, I'm into it. And then if I'm like. Totally. Yeah, if I just haven't eaten or I'm, you know, whatever, I'm stressed, yeah. then I'm like, oh God, what are we going to walk into at Erewhon? Yeah. But anyway, um, what was my point in all of this? Erewhon, life, USM, boyfriends, learning how to love, Lacey Phillips. <laughs> I was actually on the phone with Lacey you have, an you hour done, before my accident. You were? Maybe not even an hour. Oh my God, Before she, my accident, she did this. Accident. Lacey's to blame. She cast a spell. <laughs> and she kidding. said to me, she's like, I, we were talking and I was very heightened emotion. And she was like, something major is about to happen. No, I she feel, did Yes, not. she did. Yes, she did. Absolutely, 100%. She absolutely said that. And then, and then it happened. And then she was like, I remember her like, I think you can, it's on my Instagram where she's like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. Um, if she didn't text it to me, I think it actually might be recorded on Instagram because I posted about the accident and she was like freaking out because she had just said to me. Oh my God. Wait, yeah. This was 2016. 16. I think this was even, pr- this was before she even put out 
um, her first workshop. Oh my God. My accident was May of 2017. Oh. But uh, wait, how did you meet Lacey? I met Lacey at a mutual friend's, Meredith Baird's uh, book launch in 2000, it must've been 2014 or 2015. Maybe 2014. I've known her for, a wh- I mean, it feels like a while just because it's uh, the my own growth within the time frame that I've known her has yeah. been so huge. So it almost feels like I've known her longer in a yeah. way. Oh God. Because she's kind of seen me through the arc. Tell me what happens. Hard left turn. Not that hard. But uh, yeah. what happens in a session? So like, what is a day for you like, you know? A day for me is like, um, I start clients at 11 a.m. Pacific time, unless there's like an exception and go till about 6 p.m. And I, I go straight through. In I person? see about five clients. No, I only see in-person clients on Friday because most of my clients are around the globe. So I do mostly Skype and phone um, and I get myself into a very clear zone before. And How do you do that? Um, prayer, um, asking for spirit's guidance um, to be a vessel for unconditional loving and for whatever comes through me to be of service to that client at that particular time in that particular way. Um, I'll do some like sage sometimes if I feel it. Um, but it's, it's a centering within myself. And then I, and then I repeat that intention with most every client. Um, once I get on the call with them. So mostly it's our clients. I occasionally do half hour clients, but it's, it's, it's a look at the natal chart, progressions, transits, anything that's happening, sometimes a solar return, but but it it's a facilitation and an exploration. It's not just let me just talk at you. Um, I hold space. And I have a lot of, I have a cli- clients who come from all walks of life and also um, all age ranges. And because... Because of my, I think, growing up in Manhattan and growing up around the business world and then having been in the working world and still around a lot of people who are in that space, I get a lot of alpha clients, you know, very high achieving or driven or um, want kind of guidance in terms of career. And sometimes it gets really granular um, in terms of like um, if they're in marketing, like what kind of marketing, what, you know, it can, it can get pretty granular, but then it also, I step back and do the spiritual context. So I I meet each client where they are because I also have, interestingly, I'm not quite sure why this is so, but I have a very um, sizable portion of my clients were raised um, very religiously in, in varying sects of Christianity. Oh, wow. And I'm not quite sure why that is, but to me, tribalism is tribalism. So whether you were raised on the Upper East Side of Manhattan where I was, where the currency of the tribe was Ivy League and the zeros in your bank account, or you were raised um, in a fundamentalist Christian home, it's all the the personality or ego development of the child is to survive in that tribe. So the child then absorbs that as the framework by which to live. And so I see it, I see it very like clearly in that way. And I have no judgment because I think, um, 
I think there's so much beauty that can come with being raised in a community and, you know, or raised in whatever way. It's just about taking the good and leaving behind anything that, that, um, results in toxic shame. And I see a lot of times when there is a strong focus on, um, either moral rectitude or achievement that there is, uh, a toxic shame that develops within the individual where they think I am fundamentally bad and until I prove otherwise. It's like guilty until proven innocent. Yeah. Um and so in those cases if I'm if if I'm up against not up against if if that's what I'm working with then it's a lot of deeper self-forgiveness. We may do an inner child healing process. Um there may be just an exploration of that um, to facilitate deeper inner knowing, deeper trust in the intuition, deeper loving and connection to oneself as a loving being because that's where it comes from. Like we are made of love. Um, And then it can get very um, practical, you know, Um, tools to navigate a particular career or, you know, I may do a relationship reading where where I'm discussing the energy available. Oh, you look at both charts. Yeah. Yeah. I do a lot of baby readings. Oh, you do? Yeah. So like, what is the soul coming in? What are the what are what's the essence of that soul and how does it overlap with the parents? And interestingly, it makes no difference if the child is biological or adopted. I see the same kind of overlaps. Which just tells me like souls are meant to find souls um, in that way. And if you adopt child, it's, it's, I mean, I've always believed this, it's as much your child as if it's biological, but I literally see astro um, overlap yeah. regardless. What's your sign? I am a Virgo sun. Virgo sun. I have a Capricorn moon. Okay. And I'm cancer rising. Oh, all right. I'm an Aquarius Ah. with a Taurus moon and I think a Taurus rising. Ah, fixed. I think that's what I am. And then my boyfriend is a Cancer with an Aquarius moon and Aquarius rising. And Ooh, a mom that's Aquarius. An interesting mix. And a for mom, him. a mom Aquarius and a grandma Aquarius and a sister Aquarius. Oh, so you you like Aquarius. very unique people. Me? Yeah. I Meaning yeah. Aquarians, um I'm an Aquarius. He's a cancer. Yeah. yeah, but he had strong Aquarius. Yeah. And then you were surrounded by Aquarius. So you're Yeah. So um they beat to their own drum. Yeah. And the Aquarians are, are super interesting. They're the innovators. That's not to say if you're another sign, you're not innovative. But they're the they're the inventors and innovators. And they're also um they can see things from a bird's eye view. When it comes to integrating the energy on an emotional level, it can sometimes be more challenging. But when it comes to executing for um a larger audience or network or it, they're incredibly skilled. So like their ability to see things, see patterns or spot patterns. So he's more of an Aquarius than I am maybe because if mine is in, it's my sun sign, mm-hmm. but I'm a Taurus But moon. you're a strong Taurus. Ugh, my dad's a Taurus, which is so bizarre because I'm always like, I would never want to date a Taurus because I'd always be like, oh, my dad's a Taurus. I want to stay away from anybody who's like my dad. And then I found out that was my moon sign. Yeah. And my rising. Happens all the time. Happens all the time with, with women Jesus. who are like, I cannot have... I cannot have a child who's a Gemini. My mother's a Gemini. There's just no way I can do that. And you have a Gemini child, and then you yes, end up or you'll have like Moon in Gemini or Rising in Gemini, which you cannot plan for. Oh my god! Because the Moon changes signs every two and a half days, and the Rising is so 
you know, it's just that, that control thing. But the thing is, is that we're meant to learn the lessons and integrate the lessons. So the minute we are resistant to something, there's almost a guarantee that that energy is going to show up in our life. Are my boyfriend and I going to make it? Are we okay? Okay. Because I think, because I think the opportunity, like we're drawn, we're drawn to energy so that we can heal. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Do you think you're a bit psychic? Or do you think we all are? I think we all are. Um, I, I shy away from saying I'm psychic because I also shy away from things that are predictive because I don't want to seed especially anything negative in someone's consciousness um, because it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, you're right. So I really, I, I always like to empower the individual. Um, How do you do that? You know, here's what I think, but... Well, no, so I'll say... You know, I'll start with the past. I'll say, let's say, you know, let's talk about what happened in January of 2018. And I'll tell you why. Because Saturn was transiting your moon at that point, And it seems to me that you probably would have had um, a feeling of either loneliness or feeling Are like you your emotion. No. Okay. <laughs> no. No, no, no. I'm like, oh my God, I can't. That's what? (laughs) Emotional. No, I'm not, I don't know what your chart is. I need emotion. I mean, I don't know the details, but um, Saturn was not conjunct a Taurus moon in, um, keep going. January 2018. (laughs) But you know, I'll say, so like what, what was happening? So we start kind of, sometimes I'll start there and they'll say, yeah, this was what was happening. I was like, okay, so that same energy, you may find version 2.0 surfaces, but the thing is that you've, Whatever you've learned, you get you get to bring that to this. So it's going to be less challenging. So it's not like this is going to be a really hard time. It's like life is peaks and valleys. Yeah. So I tend to deal more with the present because what we're how we react or more appropriately how we respond to today shifts our tomorrow. So if we're super focused on what's happening in two years, we're not present and we may actually um, subconsciously create the negative thing because we don't realize we have more agency or more power. You know, in that things happen to us that are out of our control, but how we respond to it is within our control. Um, what do you think of uh, like Susan Miller or, or yeah. The Pattern or CoStar and all these apps on the phone? So... Um, I haven't Astrology spent a lot apps. of time on CoStar or Pattern. Is it Pattern? The Pattern. The Pattern. Um, Susan Miller, you know, her approach is, is in my opinion, more of the surface and the kind of practical, like this is going to happen. Like don't sign a lease on a new home. It's it's geared towards a very s- specific part segment. It's It's not about seeing oneself as energy or... I mean, I don't know, I don't even think she does one-on-one readings anymore, but it's it's not so much about facilitating agency yeah. within the individual, which I'm more about, um, but I think there's a place for everybody. I don't, you know, and she, she was kind of one of the first in a way um, to not legitimize, but yeah, especially, and I think in like the fashion set in New York, but yeah. my energy is completely different. So I, f- I find that she can be a little bit doomsday and then people are afraid or conversely like people can be Pollyanna, like, oh, this is, or, 
you know, this is going to happen. And it's, it, it's, there's an expectation hangover that can occur because people are like, wait a second, I was waiting. I was waiting. Yeah. I used to be so intern, then I got so disappointed. And then all of a sudden something shifted and, and I was like, ah, oh, I'm not into this anymore. Yeah. I deleted that app. <laughs> I deleted the app. No thanks. CoStar is too confusing for me. The pattern. It's a I, lot. Yeah. And it's a yeah. lot of like, it's, okay, t- it's information, but like. It's too much information. What is it? What does that mean? And so I, I, don't, I don't even like the layout of the app anyway. Yeah. All of it. So that's, that's not my approach. Um. I just put out a workshop, which is about um, especially the sa- the signs, the houses, and and the planets, and really helping people to discover how that energy shows up within their own life. It's more like self therapy than it is. Um, this is going to happen to you. Oh yeah, tell me how we find you and what's available on the website, so my listeners can be like, oh my god, I'm interested. In, you know, just what are the choices? So my website is just my name, DanielleBeinstein.com, um, and so. There's a workshop. There's an intro to astro workshop on there. Um, I will be putting out a chakra workshop as well because I I do that work as well. Um, And then you can sign up for a session with me just directly. Oh, God. How did you know you're so good at this? Like, because you were already into astrology and, and like becoming a master at it before you went to USM. Yeah, yeah. Right? When I was 19, there's, they don't teach it at all at USM. USM. When I was 19, I started, you know, the only math I was ever good at was geometry. Oh, wow. That's it. Um, and it was just, I started taking French in fourth grade. I took it through my freshman year of college. I maybe can say je t'aime. Like, yeah. I, you know what I mean? But like astrology was just... It was just, I took to it like a fish to water. Like I just was like, this is a language that makes so much sense. It didn't even feel like I was learning it. It felt like I'd already known it and was refreshing my memory. Oh my God, you have a passion for it. It's meant to be. It's just in your body. But I was resistant to it. It is not like I was like, I want to be an astrologer. When I started out, it even five years ago, it was not what it is now. Like it is exploded. How does it, why, how did it explode like this? I what don't happened? know. I mean, there's the Atlantic actually wrote a whole piece about it. Oh, about your mom read like, it and emailed it to you. Dad, yeah. yeah. Oh, your dad. But just kind of like the, you know, millennials, um, millennials came of age in a recession. Their, their world is the most uncertain. Maybe it's been since the 30s, more so even than the 60s, because there were thrown things through social media and technology and um, not to get into a whole political thing, but the middle class has totally eroded and it's like they're, you know, bogged down with student loans and it's like, I I need some context because it's overwhelming. It's really overwhelming, I think, to be a young person today. And I think... um, Older people don't understand that. They they may read statistics, but they don't have an empathic understanding of when they came out of school, there was nothing but opportunity. And it is just not that. It isn't, it is isn't. It? And um, that's not to say that you can't create things and, you know, it, that it's really important to clear the limiting beliefs and all of that. But there is a structural reality and we are... We are coming at a crisis point, as we see in America with the 2020 election. Um, So I feel like I feel like it's really challenging, and so, and at the same time, you know, millennials have a quest for meaning, and those who have lived the traditional path, who are older and are and bought into, you know, if I if I 
marry this person. If I have this degree, if I have this job, then I'll be happy. And they're up against the lack of fulfillment in that. Um, there's a craving for something deeper and astrology provides a context for that. Oh, you're so right. I was just reading an article, I think it was in the, in the New York Times about uh, a group of millennials uh, who l- are were living in a convent. Mm. Did yeah. you read this article? No. It's called like Nuns and Nuns, uh-huh. like N-U-N-S-N-O-N-E-S. Yeah. Uh, and it was... Because the nuns are so old, they, they need they need help like running the yeah. What is it? A monastery? No, no, a convent. Not a convent. Yeah. There you go. I think I'm exhausted. I think monks live in a monastery. Mon- monks right? definitely do live in a monastery. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I'm not even going to edit that out. That's just where I'm at today. Okay, but uh, and it was interesting because like in the article, it's just talking about how like they are craving a sense of belonging. They're so fascinated by the nuns because we're you know we're we're. Spiritual, but I don't, mm-hmm. they're not religious, and they don't. They just are looking for some. Millennials are looking for some kind of thing to root them, to ground them, to like to feel. Because you know, I don't know, marriage yeah. and religion are, are not no. cool or not what. To, but and nowadays, or, or like they used to be, or something. And then, yeah. like, and so now, and yet we're like so hungry for something that that grounds us. Yeah, and they're they're angry. I get it. I mean the. Boomers, in many ways, stole their future from them, and I'm I'm like an exennial. I'm just on kind of the. You're an exennial. Yeah, I was that's born what 1980. it's called. So if you're born between 1979 and 1981, it's basically like you graduated high school. Really, you probably didn't have a cell phone. You definitely didn't have a smartphone. Yeah, I was born in '81. Yes, you're an exennial. But I looked like, it up on Wikipedia. Up? I remember dial-up, <laughs> but I looked it up on Wikipedia. It said if you're 81. Yeah. I'm so I'm on the on the on the oldest millennial. Yes, yes. Eighty one is a millennial. I'm sticking to it. I'm sticking totally, to it. totally. But you see, so it's like it's really yes. you know we had this idea. Um, I remember my dad saying to me at one point because he grew up in poverty and and did very well and he didn't he didn't have a formal education. But I remember him saying to me not so long ago, he's like, I had this dawning realization that it your generation. Um, it, the idea that like you were going to do better than me was <gasps> is a much harder concept. Like, not that he doesn't believe in me, but just the idea of like my generation is up against so much more than his gen. Yeah. He's like in my generation, it's like it, you know, a I didn't need a degree to start what I started, and there was. Th- He's like, a lot of it was just like chance. I met this person at this time and and they inspire, you know, they encouraged me to do this. And then I got this job and then I started my own thing. And he's like, I don't see that. What I see is like, you need five degrees, you know? And so there's a, there's, there's so much uncertainty in that. And at the same time, you know, Gen Xers or boomers are shaming millennials, like don't spend $5 on a latte. And they're like, F you, that's my only like pleasure. Yeah. So I think- We, we got to go to air one sometimes, no, you totally. know? <laughs> so I think that, I mean, I understand the kind of, um, and I have it. Listen, like I do very well, but like I can't afford a house in Los Angeles on my own. Me neither. And like the, 10 years ago- I could have making what I'm making now. Oh, you're so right. And like that's that's actually you know, the same for me. What? Where do we go wrong? What happened? That's what oh, I'm saying. Well, we're don't at get a me point. Oh, that. yeah. It's like, just, but but that's that's <laughs> we that's a very real thing, you know. So is everybody a late bloomer also? Because we're like, uh, I think it's it's more complicated than that. I think it's that. Um, 
you have a, a confluence of events. You had Silicon Beach coming. You had the tech company, tech came to LA at the same time, foreign investment in American, I mean, I'm not an economist, but foreign, as I understand it, foreign investment in American property is through the roof. So people, you know, Chinese, Russian, um, just, they just buy single family homes and just as a way to park their money. Um, and then they just sit there. So that drives up the cost. I mean, I know that New York is trying to, trying to counter this, but it's like, it's an issue. So it's driven up all the costs. Like New Zealand, you can't buy if you're a foreigner anymore because it, it drove the prices so up so high in places like Auckland that New Zealanders could no longer buy. Does so your, New does Zealand. Your, does your boyfriend uh, own a house there? No, he doesn't. But we talk about that because he's um, he's a citizen, so he can. And we're like, oh, because New Zealand is growing, and it's like maybe that's a place to invest. But um, but I just it's a really real thing, and I and you know I'm especially I'm like in a strange. I mean, this may be more revealing, and I've, I've talked about this a little bit on Lacey's podcast. Like I, my dad is a very much like you know, pick yourself up by the bootstraps, do it on your own. He doesn't believe in, in the whole trust thing. And, um, you know, so I grew up, I grew up very well for the eighties. Well, I mean, now my dad's like peanuts, but for the eighties, it was like, Lots you know, cocaine, right. just kidding. Gold <laughs> lame. <laughs> but it was just like, kidding. but really what, like, it's just, I talk about this all the time with people who are in their forties and fifties, how like growing up, you know, well off in the eighties and what it is today is like, you know, exceptionally well off. And like, I, um, and I'm a woman in my late thirties who does certainly well enough and on my own cannot afford a house. It's a and I don't, I, mean, I don't even mean, by the way, I don't mean like a Bel Air mansion. I mean like Just a, normal a single house. family, yeah. small home, two bedroom, two bath in like Silver Lake or yeah. whatever. Which again, like twenty years ago, I feel like people didn't even go to Silver. Like it was like just starting to turn or become cool. Oh yeah, I feel like nineteen ninety nine was when it was just starting yes. to get hip. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So and and I don't I don't mean to to rat. I'm just saying that we're up against a real thing, and yet I'm a lucky one because I don't have student debt. I'm oh, yeah. incredibly incredibly grateful. So I can't imagine what it feels like to be twenty seven, rattled in student debt, oh, and yeah. not. Um, and not able to, to, you know, barely make ends meet with a degree that should have. So there's a lot of bill of goods who were sold. So there's that, there's the like pragmatism, but then there's the spiritual context for it. And I feel like all of this is leading us to a place where we realize we've had a crisis of values. Oh God, a crisis of values. And so I think ultimately, which is ultimately a spiritual yearning for community connection, um, belonging, love. And I, I I think, again, I think it's a beautiful thing to desire things, but I ultimately, I think what we crave is something deeper. And I think there's going to be some kind of rectification. It kind of has to, because you look at where things are going. Um, Maybe love is my religion. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that a, wait, isn't that like a thing? Isn't that a song? Is this a John Lennon song? (laughs) Isn't that a song? Oh my God. I'm 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 tone sorry. deaf, but I, I think no, you're great. I, no, I'm tone deaf. There's not even. I'm like terrible at most things, no. but um, I'm good at what I do. Like yeah. I, I I have zero athletic ability. I cannot. Who wants skate. it? 
I don't know. Skate? Who wants to go skating? It sounds <laughs> terrifying. I don't like to go. Yeah, there's that roller rink, mo- Moonlight, not to get too inside again, but that Moonlight rollerway, right? In the valley where it's like old time. It looks like from the yeah. 70s. That's my nightmare. Oh, I'm like 5'11 and a half, six yeah. feet. Get Which me on is roller. Amazing. Well, thank you. But get me on roller skates. I'm like, this is terrifying. What was that like growing up and being uh, tall? Well, older men liked me. Also, growing up in Hollywood, it'd be weird. I'd, I'd be at like this coffee shop called The Onyx on Vermont in Los Feliz. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like gesturing towards somewhere <laughs> in, Los, in LA. Anyway, you guys can't see me. This is an auditory experience. But anyway, <laughs> and I remember just like getting like unwarranted, like uh, getting massages from mm-hmm. strange guys who were like in their mid to late thirties, maybe forties. And I was like 13 years old and I was like the same height I am right now. And right. Uh, so I got a lot of unwanted attention. But then in school, I remember being in junior high, walking in junior high, holding my backpack straps, which I still do. Yeah. It's my Target backpack over there. I like Target. Uh, anyway. That's awesome. <laughs> Sometimes they've got good... Uh, anyway. Uh, I love that they're based in Minnesota. I have like a love affair with Minnesota. Oh, they're based in Minnesota? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I didn't yeah. know that. Jesus Christ. Well, Minneapolis. I feel like, Minneapolis, I feel like is an... I haven't been. I feel like it's a very cool city. Well, sometimes I just feel like they just do very good... Uh, Knockoffs. I shouldn't support this, but uh, I just love Target. I feel safe when I go there. But anyway, that's an aside. (laughs) But uh, oh, but I remember being made fun of in school. Where I remember one girl walked up to me and she was like this really cool girl, and I thought, wow, she's tapping me on the shoulder. What does she want? She wants to talk to me. She's putting her attention on me. And she was like, just so you know, you walk like an ostrich. And I was like, I've never forgotten it. I'm 38 years old. I was like 14 or something. I'm like never forgotten that moment. No, those those are those are indelible mo- like memory like the, i feel like and it takes work to like heal them speaking of like lacy's work like yeah. I, there are memories that i have had like that that i've had to gone had to go in and heal yeah that's also what i learned at university of santa monica at usm my aunt was, went there really by the way i was just trying to figure it all out when you said usm i was like yeah her name's jasmine Oh, I don't know if you knew her. I don't know. <laughs> her name's Jasmine. Yeah, yeah. That's all. But we. I don't. I didn't get a. I know a Jasmine, but she's younger than you, so that makes no sense. <laughs> that's my aunt. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah. But anyway, um, so you learned to heal. So they, one of the courses was healing of memories. So we had to go back. Um, we worked backwards. Um, through the age stages, healing memories throughout the age stages, and so that I really. Um, uh, and I really was taught how to facilitate um, the healing of memories and did that for so many hours. So I, that's something that I, um, it's one, it's, it's a tool that I really use in my practice because I, I've firsthand, I see the effect you do um, in myself and then I've seen the shift in facilitating others through that. See, I just give up so easily because I, you know, I did so much of the lacy work. Yeah. I did all the the uh, what are the other courses? Yeah, and uh, have you ever like, had a space held for you while you, you're doing it? Meaning, do you have mean? you ever seen someone to help facilitate? Sometimes it's just the holding of space. Like for example, I think it's um we can only go so far on our own. It's amazing to do the work on our own, and then I think it can be very helpful. Um, to have someone just be a loving presence for you through it. Oh, I mean, I went to a therapist. I've been to yeah. a therapist, but doing the hypnotherapy and the kind of like going back in memories, and I just felt like I had such blocks up because I was yeah. like, God, I can't even remember all this stuff. And then I, I've told my story so many times mm-hmm. that it's like, oh, here's my uh, yeah, my totally. chaos. So I just feel like I ha- it has no power for me, even though it does. It's so deep in me. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm like, I don't know. And I can't remember. There's so many things that happened. I did, I did EMDR also. Yeah. And, and I, I like that. That was great. But at, at some point I just thought, and I, I like Abraham Hicks and I know Lacey doesn't and yeah. some people don't or whatever, but that'll just get me out of the fetal position sometimes if I'm in a yeah. mood or something. Sometimes but, it's just, it's healing. It's like meditative. Just, I, you know, I even think her voice is healing. Whose? Esther, Esther Hick. Oh, you do? Yeah, oh. I actually find her... I mean, I'm I'm not a fan of spiritual bypass. I do think we need to do the deeper work, but I think sometimes hearing her voice is like... Sometimes I just need to be brought back into my loving self and my... Um, my awareness that I am a soul having a human experience. And sometimes I'll just put on the YouTube videos because it's like, it's, it's a pivot back to that. Yes, Not even too. so much about like, this means I'm going to manifest. It's like, it, it pivots me back into the, I am, if I get out of my own way and I surrender to God's plan for me, I'm sorry if that's triggering for other people, but if I surrender to God's plan Calm for me. Calm down. <laughs> just kidding. Sorry, that was me. That was Alexi, <laughs> not Danielle. <laughs> You know what I mean? I feel like I'll do the same thing with like Marion Williamson or I'll, or Carolyn Mace or I'll you know come back to these things that I I also teach but that I need I I need to hear through someone else's voice. It's um, a nice reminder, yeah. Yeah, and so I do I listen, I think there is fundamental truth to the Abraham Hicks thing. I just think that what it doesn't take into account is that there's density as human beings that we carry in until we um I don't even know what would be the word, like liquidate that density or or start to evaporate. That's the word. Um, that density, um, it, it's not going to penetrate it. Meaning if it's, if, if it's a mental exercise and it doesn't reach deep into the places within us, it's not going it, to make a difference. Yeah. Um, but it, to me, it can just be like, right, like it, it's not on my plan. And to me, it's like, it brings me into a place of humility. And when I'm, and humility is not having confidence or self-esteem. It's just the awareness that I am part of a bigger whole. One of the other things that I learned at USM, um, and not, I'm not a, like a talking head for USM because there are some things that really resonated things a little bit less. But one of the things that I loved, it was, they teach you kind of how to manifest, but what they teach you to do at the top of every single manifestation list is, um, to write this or something better for the highest good of all concerned. So for example, um, let's say I want, um, let's say I want a particular home, just to bring it back to the home metaphor. And I have my, that home fills my soul and like fills me in a way that I'm like, that home is where I'm sp- supposed to be. I have no idea um, if getting that house is actually beneficial to my own growth. And I have no idea if someone else getting it is actually more beneficial. And so what that statement does is it takes the ego out because it's not ultimately, um, if everything is energy and we don't exist in a vacuum and the more we think me, 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 the lonelier we get. So the more we think in terms of opening ourselves up to what is the highest good of all concerned, um, the more we're in trust. And the more we're in trust, ironically, the sooner we manifest. 
Oh, I love that. And that can come with anything. That can come with partnership, right? Instead of like clutching, I know this person's for me. Well, you don't know that it's for that person's highest good to be with you. Oh, you're so right. And talking about fertility and babies and like how do that soul has its own agenda. It's not just all about your agenda. Oh, this makes me feel much calmer. Yes. So that is something that um, I, I, I like to be reminded of again and again and again. And I, and I will remind myself of that again and again and again. I'm so into, I'm getting too relaxed right now. I'm like, you know, I, I'm really embarrassed still about saying, uh, referring to a, a comment as a monastery. Um, we will, we will land this plane shortly. Oh my God. Low battery. Hold on one second. <laughs> Hold on. Oh God. Okay. We're over the low battery situation. Okay, good. <laughs> Everything is resolved. New battery has been put in. Hey guys. Um, oh, we were talking about being connected to a whole and makes me feel yeah. less alone, makes me feel calmer. Yeah. Cause I know that when I've, when I've not had a, let's say in, in acting or whatever, yeah. cause that's, I make my living doing that or I have in the past. Mm when I wouldn't get a job or something, I would go, oh, I guess somebody else needed the money more than I did. And that always made me feel happier and not like, oh, good. Oh, and I'll go to my hair guy. I'm really, I mean, I don't know where I'm going with all this stuff, but I'll go to my hair (laughs) guy and and he'll tell me, oh, like you're saying with the relationships and, uh, you know, being like, oh God, trying to clutch and grasp at a thing. It's not working. Oh God. And he'll say... uh, it's a visual thing. He'll go, uh, a relationship should be like this. And he puts both palms like this. Mm. Up. As opposed to, uh, no, like this, as opposed to. Like, yeah. Like you're, you know, I was putting my, this is going nowhere fast. Anyway, whatever. But just like to be like. No, meaning it's, it's, it's meant to be the way it is. Let it flow. Yeah. Don't grasp. Don't grip. Don't whatever. Anyway. But it's also like a place to put one's loving. Meaning like. I think we, I think it's our natural state to be loving. And I think all the other stuff gets in the way. And a relationship, forget like hashtag relationship goals. I think relationships are, you know, at least heart centered ones are a place to put that loving energy that we have that gets bottled up inside of us. And then, you know, when we get into a relationship, or even if we have the idea of like, well, how can this relationship serve me? I think Mary, Mary Williamson talks a lot about this. What did she say? I'm listening to her all the time. She's on Oprah the other yeah. day. She's always on, yeah. 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 I think this is the Oprah Super Soul Sunday that she was talking about. Oh. Um, that she was kind of talking about this of like the relationship is not like, what can I get from this person? It's how can I deepen into my heart and expand my loving? Oh my God, impossible. Right, and at the same so hard. time, it's so, it's so nuanced, right? Because at the same time, we're human beings and it's not about not having standards and it's not about not... Um, meaning if you're being abused, it's not like go in into your heart and feel more loving and just, you know, roll over. It's mean... It, so love is is also very strong. It can say like... I, I love myself too. It's not about loving the other person at the expense of loving yourself. It's about both. Yeah. Oh, my boyfriend said something like this where I was like being really needy because I can be needy uh, sometimes. I, right? I know nothing about that. Oh God. <laughs> well, I do. I knew, but no, I, I, yeah, no, I know. I know. I know. Like, oh yeah. God. Um, but I was like, uh, I was like, I said something like, I need you. I don't want to. My, I said, my girlfriends told me that oh, there's always one person in the relationship who loves the other person more. 
And I want that person to be you. That's what I told him. Mm-hmm. I said, I went, I'm not going to be in a relationship yeah. where I love you more than you love me. And he went, I think we love each other equal. I know we, lo- we love each other equally. We really do. And, uh, and I went, it doesn't feel like it. And he goes, well, that's just because you love you less. I don't know if oh. I'm making this making right. Making that's this. a really profound... See, because we can, in a way, we can really only love someone as much as we love ourselves. It's, a whole, the whole, it's the whole idea of like people's actions are not a reflection of you. They're a reflection of them. Yeah. Um, and so we personalize things. But then there's also like rejection is God's protection. You can just take all of the like, you know, bumper stickers rejection and they will is, all... Is God, it's God's protection? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. So it's like you don't have to feel bad that you got rejected. It's like it's it's for the greater good. Right. But at the same time, like if someone gives you feedback, it's important to look at that. So like it's really hard to take the bumper stickers because you'll find something else that will contradict it. Oh, God. Always. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's like, um, you know, and everybody has their opinion. Just like everybody's like, you got to see my guy, like a doctor. Oh, know. Maybe yeah. that's just like a New York thing. Like you got to see my guy. Um, I'm like that. Right. So yeah. I think that, you know, we all have our, our perspectives. And I think ultimately it's, it's coming down to a place of deepening your self-worth, deepening your self-esteem, which I think is so, I think Lacey's work is so phenomenal in that. And I think she has such a gift, gift for helping people spot their patterns, even if she's not doing one-on-one work anymore in, in, in through her workshops. And I think that that's ultimately, as I experience it, um, what she's trying to impart. Like ultimately manifestation is not at all about manifestation. It's about, it's about self-worth. It's about like you self-worth. go in thinking it's about manifestation, but it's not. It's just about raising your self-worth. Yeah. And then the irony is in the letting go and going, I'm enough, that's when things start to arise. Oh, wow. You just simplified it so beautifully. Do you know what I mean? Instead of like the desperation of like, no, I got I to, because so often I'll see my clients like apply their achievement focus to manifestation or to relationship. And it's like, What? No, I mean, we're trained to do that, but actually that's not the way in. The way in is deepening your self-worth, letting go, trusting in a higher power, or, oh. you know, if that word's triggering, trust, trusting in spirit, universe, whatever you want to call it, um, and then you will receive. See, for me... I it's all backward. Like, it's, it's you know... I, I like how you just simplified it, though. It's like, raise your self-worth... Mm-hmm. And then things will come to you that you want for yourself because you will pass the test because you won't budge if it's not in yourself or if it's if you're, yeah. if you're not holding yourself. I, I just got to the point where I was like, I did all the work. I thought mm-hmm. I did. I, know I, yeah. didn't, I have not done all the work yeah. in the world to do on myself and all this stuff. But I thought, okay, like I'm, I've read all the books. You know, yeah. I, uh, I've done all the hypnotherapy, ED, EMDR, EDM. I actually am accidentally calling yeah. it like whatever. Um, and I just thought, now I just have to do the work, not like the spiritual work on myself, but it's like, let's say my thing is, oh yeah, write the script. I want to make my right. movie and all this stuff. At some point it's like, okay, I can be aware of all the things that happened in my childhood, all my blocks, all my patterns and all this stuff. Okay. I'm aware of it. I, I got to, I just, now I, then I felt like I was hiding behind that a bit. Yeah. And 100%. Then, and I want, yeah. I, I have to walk through it during the work. So I, that means I just have to stay home, say no to a thing. And write all and night. Act. And act not, on, and yeah, and like, and follow through with the actual like 
work doing what I love doing, but I put off because I'm either obsessing about a romantic thing or I'm going to do a bunch of self-help stuff, which I love. Like, but, but at some point I just thought, I don't want to worry about my daddy issues and blame having a horrible childhood anymore. Or like even think about that. I want to lighten up on it, loosen the grip, not take even that so seriously and then just walk through and like actually do the nitty gritty. But that is self-worth. That is self-worth. It's like, you're right. You're committing to yourself. You're so right. That is self-worth. Yeah. So, you know, and I think it's a dance, right? Because it's like one can get addicted to the spiritual work, which is an avoidance. Avoidance. I am such an avoider of what will... Or have been. I have been point. up until this point. If you say that, then you're you're just locking in that thing. I don't want that. Okay, good. And I, I was listening to I mentioned this last week on a, in the intro of my podcast episode, but uh, I was listening to like the path. Oh God. Oh, Oprah's book is called like the path. Oh yeah, the path made clear. The path made clear. So there's an episode of her Super Soul Sundays uh, called the path made clear, where it's just like snippets of like. Uh, Michael Beckworth, is that his name, from Magape yeah. and, and Marianne Williamson and a million other people. And uh, and it talks about how like when you're meant to do something and it's so important for your soul's evolution, you're going to be met with a lot of resistance because it's something you need to do that will change your life after you get to the other side of it. Yeah, so Stephen Pressfield says it is like, I believe... I may be paraphrasing, but the more resistant you are to something, the more important it is that you for do your soul it. growth. For your soul growth. Yeah. And I think also we have a really big confusion in our culture um, between uh, achievement and self-actualization. What's the difference? So self-actualization in my kind of view, is to self-actualize as a soul. So to become increasingly present, increasingly attuned to the loving, almost like a child is naturally, right? You see a child and they're like, oh my God, what's that? Like they get so excited about the small things. I think I worry that with all this, you know, technology that they're losing that, but they have that fundamental, like I remember when my nephew was two, he'd be like, butterfly, butterfly. Like he was just so excited about the world. Yeah. So there's that, and there's that of like self honor and self, you know, um, and dignity and all of that. But just just because someone is high achieving in the world doesn't mean that they're self actualized because they can still be operating, you know, entirely out of their wounds. They can still be like. I don't know, take like Steve Jobs for an example. Like he obviously had an indel he left an indelible mark on on the world, on culture, on he was this, you know, inventor in this but from everything that I've heard, he was a child in terms of how he conducted himself. I would say he was extremely high achieving. I wouldn't I wouldn't label him as someone who is self actualized. So what's important? Well, I think that, I mean, but I think that's ultimately up to the individual to decide. And, you know, there's the famous thing that like when he was passing, he said like, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. Like he was seeing the light. So I think, you know, I I think we, we all have our own paths and I think we all, we all have to decide what all of that means for ourselves. But I, I will say having grown up around extremely high achieving people, having, um, and there's some irony and paradox in me saying this because I myself have my own drive, right? 
to to be of service to um, do what I do very well. Um, so I'm not I'm not discounting myself from this own confusing inner kind of battle. But I I think you I you know I think that we just I don't know I think the idea that like just because you're you're high achieving you become self-actualized is a is a misunderstanding. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. I'm just thinking about how like when you're saying the thing about like how you're not it's uh, to do meaningful work is great. Yeah, no no it's no, so it important. is. But I'm saying like I still have an Instagram account. Like I, I still live in Los Angeles. I'm not like I'm human. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm human. And we I all also have Instagram accounts though. Yes. That's the weird thing to beat us I, I know it's such a confusing thing. It's so addictive. I'm so, yeah. I am so addicted to my Instagram. It's disgusting. I, 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 do you feel like it's gotten worse? Like, I feel like it has gotten, like yeah. it is designed. I know it's designed to addict me. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't consider myself an addictive personality, but it, it, it is, I, I really don't like it. And I, I, um, and then I participate in it. So I, I don't, know. I don't, I had this thought the other day, like what happened, what would happen if like, you know, there was an attack on our cyber system and our cyber system went down. I was like, well, I could still do phone calls for my work, but how would people sign up? Like I, I was like, okay, well my life would be go back to like the very basics. And I, I don't know. I have these kind of thoughts sometimes and it's like, I would still be a find my way to be of service or value, you know, add value or contribute. Oh, you would still do what you're doing. It'd be great. But it is such a weird, not love. I don't want to say love hate relationship with Instagram, but it's like so much of my work comes through it. It's yeah. so helpful, but then it's on me to like make sure I like, you know, like I drink alcohol, yeah. you know, so you got to, it's about moderation and you have to be really mindful about it. And I try to sleep, this is a lie, but I try to sleep with my phone outside of the yeah. bedroom. And then when my boyfriend's over, or vice versa, when I'm at his house, mm-hmm. to, to leave the phones outside of the bedroom. So like the first mm-hmm. thing in the morning, you don't just pick up your phone and then you're glazed over next to each other in bed before you even kiss. I mean, we, we do that. I mean, it's like, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, and, and we both are like, what are we doing? But we, it's like, what do we do? We roll over. Yeah. He, he, he's very, I'm very lucky. He's very, very affectionate. So I get that. And then like, we both do, we both roll over. Well, that's, but, the, so, but that's a funny thing. We gotta like, I remember I would go ballistic. Even at the beginning of my relationship, I would just be like, I was like obsessed with Instagram. Who's he following? What's he up to? Yeah, like oh I went, God. I went OCD. I was like so jealous, freaking out. I wanted to control everything in this out of control world. I thought I could whatever. Yeah. And then it would be like, you're looking at your phone. What does it all mean? And now I'm like, cause even the other day he like looked at his phone for two seconds and I went, put your phone away. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want to be his mom. Like it's like, totally. and I love my I'm worse than he is. He like, we just went to Italy for three weeks and he's oh, like, nice. he's like, it's nice to have you like present. But then he also like took, cause he loves to photograph. He he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna call this series Danielle working on her phone in Italy. Cause there were so many times where like I had to respond to an email because I like my clients to feel like tended to. Yes. Yeah. And you know, if people are curious about signing up, I like to respond to that. And there would be days when I would try to leave it at home. And sometimes I did, but I also put out the workshop just before we left. So I wanted to make sure I could respond to things around the workshop. And she cares about her work. So sue her. Okay. She cares about her clients. How dare you? But I was like, this is, I'm, I'm in Italy. And like, how many times did I spend on Instagram looking at places in Italy that I'm now in on Instagram? 
like yeah. looking at the next. His yeah. whole thing is like, you're not allowed to plan our next trip while we're still on the trip because I, that is like, yeah. I, you I know, and he's right. He's totally right. Um, I had already planned our next trip before we ever went on this one, but it was, it's, it's for his, his birthday. So I get a pass, but I, yeah. So I just think, I, I don't know. I it's, mean, I don't have the answer because I'm, I'm working on it within myself, but I know that every time I'm off it, you're happier. I'm happier. And like my my favorite thing of late has been, and I know this is like a growing trend here in Los Angeles, is tea ceremonies. Is this a growing trend? Yeah. Like tea meditation where you sit in silence and drink tea and you're served tea. And it is like, I find it, it's, it's that and acupuncture, even more than massage. I love massage. Yeah, me too. I, and I feel like I'm stoked because we have the now right here. And I did. I had a whole thing with them. Yeah. It was a nightmare. Oh, really? No, not, I'm not talking. No, I went there twice. I didn't love my massages. Yeah. Never said anything about it. Always Instagrammed about yeah. them because it's so fashionable. And I thought I'm going to yeah. answer the story yeah. and say I love it. And then one day across the street at the post office, I like zoomed in and I went, the most disappointing massage in the world. I didn't tag them. I should have yeah. known better than to talk shit. I knew it. I, yeah. I knew I'd get busted. Somebody forwarded it to them. They wrote to me and they're like, hey, we're really sorry. But they handled it so nicely. They weren't yeah. mean. They offered me a free massage to make up for it. I was too embarrassed yeah. to accept it. I said, I'm going to think about it. I'm a little bit shy and embarrassed because I'm afraid yeah. everybody will hate me there. A month and a half later... I took them up on their free massage. You received it. Yeah. I received it. It was fantastic. Of course it was. I mean, they they made sure that it was fantastic. <laughs> I now love them, but I, I went through this whole like drama. But then as I was done with the massage and I had to walk down the hall, all the masseuses were standing like in a row and they're all just like looking at me and I just felt like, oh my, oh my God. God, I'm like wall wall of shape. walking the plank. Yeah, yeah the <laughs> it was terrifying. But like they really... Drama they, at the net. And they were so lovely yeah. about everything. And like, never once were they like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, you know. But yeah, two times I've ever said anything negative on about Has people. Back? Yeah. Yeah. There was one time where, and we will land this plane. You've got to go. You've got to go live your life and do stuff with your tiny feet. Oh my God, your cute tiny feet. Um, yeah. What time is it? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this story. I'll leave you on this note. All right. I was in Texas. I was feeling cool about Insta storying. I used to Insta story way more and was very into it. And people would be like, yeah, I love your Insta stories. I was like, I got a big head about my stupid Insta stories. So I'm in Texas with a friend of a friend. We're at Starbucks. And he was like, I, lo- I love your Insta stories. And I went, well, I'm going to do one right now at Starbucks. I saw a girl with leggings on. There were light, a cream pair of leggings or something. She had a camel toe. I zoomed in on the leggings and the, and I, the, the it was horrible behavior. I'm not proud of this. But I'm terrified of wearing leggings in public because I'm afraid I'm going to get a camel toe. You're better than this story. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Anyway, so I zoom in and I'm like, this is my, you know, I was like, she's so brave. This is my biggest fear. You know, this Mm -hmm. is why I don't wear leggings in public. Like 17 minutes later, she sends me a DM. She's like, wait, she? She's like, I follow you on Instagram. (laughs) That's me. And it was her. Nightmare. This was like two years ago. Karmic boomerang. Karmic two karmic boomerang. Karmic boomerang. Yeah, like and I and then and then that was two years ago. And then the other day on Twitter, she was like, "Remember that time you did?" And I was like, "Hey, I thought we got over this. (laughs) Well, what do I have to reap? I've got I've got to pay for this my entire life." I said, "I'm sorry, Jesus." What is this hell? I mean, it's just like you know. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know where. Anyway, so but, 
but, but I, you like what you like massages. What you're saying before I, I do love massages. <laughs> I love massages, anyway. but like acupuncture for some reason really takes me to that place that like a tea ceremony does, which is interesting because they're um, they both come from the east, but. Yeah, there's something about a tea ceremony. I so recommend it. Yeah. I went to go sit at one. Um, Where's a good one? Where do I go? At, it's in Playa del Rey. Oh, boy. At I am. Um, A-Y-A-M. They did not pay me to say that. I don't think they... Uh, they don't follow me. I, I just like... I showed up. You just liked it. And I went and I just... Oh, it was so beautiful. Women's space has beautiful ones. I'm making... I'm laughing in my head. I just was going to go, Playa del Rey. More like Playa del... No way. <laughs> Because it's too far for me to drive. Never mind. I went on a save a Saturday and Sunday morning sit because I'm over here too. (laughs) I'm just laughing how dumb that I really should have been more caffeinated. Like this podcast. I'm sure they have ones over here, but those are just the women's space and um and I am are the two that I know. And I just oh I just I don't know I love it so stilling and just really calming to the central nervous system. And there's something really sensual about it because you're smelling the tea and you're feeling the warm mug and you're among other people, but you're just sharing in the space. You're not... I know it sounds so LA, but I really... I love it. I really have found that to be... um, Calming and makes you present. Really, really, really does. Um, And we're supposed to go to Japan at the end of the year, hence the trip. And I'm like, I'm all about... Like, I want to do tea ceremonies Yeah. But yeah, I just feel um, I, I I just feel like it's so important to recenter. And acupuncture does something. I don't know. It gets me to that warm, yummy place too. Wait, do you live with your boyfriend? I do. And how long have you two been together for? We've been together two, just over two years. Just over two years. I was talking to another couple. They've been together for ten years, mm-hmm. and I, I we were talking about how like I I want to start. Not I mean, I've only mm-hmm. been with my boyfriend for a year and a half, but I want to yeah. start. Remember to act like I did as if I just met him. I try and do that because um, I, I went through a rough period recently where I was I was tough on him and um, and just a lot of my stuff came up and I you know me too um, and I because we met at Rose Cafe and because I see my clients in Venice and I find myself at Rose Cafe a lot I. I always look at that window where I was sitting next to you when I met and and I go, remember what that felt like. Like I felt something very um, unlike anything I'd ever felt before. And it wasn't like, I've met the one. It was just like, this is a funny feeling. Um, and he said, yeah, I mean, and he, he said to me, you know, I'm so glad that I brought... I brought the sense of joy and presence and fun to your life because I, I can be very serious and brooding. Like very, yeah. Um, and so I, I try and go back to that feeling of I just remember feeling like I don't know, like my whole life was laid out in front of me. And then you get into a relationship, and then you get triggered, and then you're so in it that you have moments of forgetting of what that's like. And I'm also past. We're also past the eighteen month biological. What attachment? What do you mean? What's that? Well, like the, in the first eighteen months, it's like you you have that like fierce attachment on a on a biochemical level, and like oh. you know, also because we also live together, so it can kind of what is it, How does this manifest? Like, what do you mean? It the bio, is it a good thing? Like, it manifests as like you start to realize that 
love is a choice. That's what's happening in the, wait, in this 18 months? After the 18 months when it's like the, the, the chemical attachment starts to like wear off. Oh my but God. I will say I am, I am obsessed with my boyfriend's smell. Like, like bizarrely. I'm obsessed with your boyfriend's smell too. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, it's, you know what I mean? He's yeah. not used to it. I like have to like, I just love his smell. Um, so that hasn't worn off, but, but you, you start to you start to really look at the human being in front of you after the eighteen months, and you start to go, okay, there, there now, now. Sometimes I get triggered. Now the things that I kind of fell in love with are the things that can kind of drive me bananas. Yeah. Um, go back to why you fell in love with those qualities. They're qualities you need to cultivate within yourself and are unforgiving of within yourself. Oh, wow. When I say yourself, I have to say myself, use I language, um, and go back to that. And he, he is, he's just a very loving person. I, um, and yeah, there have been times when I've, let's say, forgotten. It's such an interesting thing, though. I, I talk about relationships so much because it's our, I feel like it's our, great, our greatest mirror. It's like we learn so much about ourselves, yeah. and then and then you know, and, and for your work, and yeah. like you can you take that out into the world. Like when you, the more you learn about yourself, the the better mm-hmm. you are for your clients and what you can all access and all these things. That's why people are like, oh, yeah, all you ever do is talk about love and relationships and her boyfriend. Why well, you know talk about astrology and psychology? But this is so important. But you know? it, but. Everything comes back to that. Anyway, yeah. do you know that Elizabeth Gilbert passage in April Love Earth? She's talked about this too, where it's like the people on the boat, like she was talking to someone who was dealing with refugees and like they're just off the boat. And like, I, I'm sure I'm boxing yes, this, but no. like all, they're ta- all they ended up talking about was like relationship. It's like we are wired. We are. We're wired for love and we're wired for mating and how long and under what circumstances are up to the individual. But it is it is the most human part of us because we have mirror neurons like we need we need that and and i think one of the challenges of our age to kind of bring it full circle is this idea of not seeing the partner as an object yeah i didn't realize i did that until i don't he think he told me do. i do <laughs> Or I'd be like, this is my, I introduce him. I'd be like, this is my hunky British boyfriend. He's six, four. And he, and what he was like, I'm a person. I was like, oh, am I not making it? Oh, oh, your job isn't just to serve my needs and validate me and constantly like reassure me. Oh, you, I need to make space for you in the relationship. Like that's a big thing I've had to learn. And yeah. Yeah. Cause also like if you grow up in trauma, um, you know, it's like in some ways you're like in survival mode. So you're, you have this idea that like love is scarce. So you need to hold on to it. Like my, my boyfriend is very good looking. I have never been with a good looking person. Isn't it great? If the person who (laughs) who traumatized me heard that, I'm sure that would not feel good. He can go fuck himself. Sorry. But, but (laughs) just the level of, you know, and he's also, how much bigger my foot is than yours. (laughs) I'm also like <laughs> short. You're so tiny. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Um, so it's <laughs> really adorable. Um, that was like, ah, uh, uh, I mean, you know. Oh, like an I, insecure thing? Yeah, because um, I'd never been with someone who was good looking. And I'd also, that was never my measuring stick. 
Oh, me neither. I like geniuses. Me too. Yeah. Me too. So all of a sudden I'm like, what? <laughs> like I was always up against, you know, the idea of like being drawn to the powerful man. And so all the other women want powerful men, but there's powerful. this also, I mean, not that my boyfriend isn't powerful in his own way, but he's not in the kind of hierarchy of, I know you're, but you're talking about a different way of measuring up yeah. love and infatuation and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But same, you know, he's, he's very good looking and very, very deeply kind and deeply um, giving. And so it's like, I, I, you know, I have some possessive stuff. Me too. And some jealous stuff. Oh, and me I too. Am, it's ugly for me. Oh, it's ugly. And you know, have have had a meltdown or two. Um, and so that was something that I that was something I never ever ever expected to deal with. And also, like he's so good looking. Better looking than I am from an empirical standpoint. Oh God, I hate that you said that. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, but that running. I have no idea what he looks like. But that kind of running in my head. That's horrible. Of, um, it almost doesn't matter. It what matters is that was my lens. That's what you feel. Yeah, and um, you know, working through that, working to the other side. But because I never considered myself the pretty girl, it added a whole. It was like. Oh, I, now I have to deal with this. Oh, it's so funny how I see you because I see it with you. You have like a New York, a bit of a New York accent kind of thing happening. <laughs> and you're you're perfectly like effortlessly chic hair and like you're very sexy. I'm not hitting on you. How dare you? I'm in a relationship. Not, I'm not even into women. Anyway, but you've got like, you remind me of like some like foxy like... 80s, like this is not. I hope this. You're, no, I'm like I'm very flattered. Okay, so my mom was in an 80s rock band, and there's this one um, girl in seriously, the, yeah, and it was called Precious Metal. Uh-huh. And one of the girls in the band, her name was Mara Fox. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's a real name, a fake name, whatever. She's so cool, and her voice is kind of like yours. Yeah. Same vibe, where you just feel like she's just so sexy and badass, and just like so. That's the vibe, like, like this foxy Mara Fox kind of vibe. Oh my god! And it's so, not. I just want to be very clear. Let's 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 take it like DMs or emails. Like you shouldn't be with someone who makes you feel the, like he tells me I'm beautiful every day. He tells me I'm sexy every day. That is not the the issue. Is that I had to confront the idea or the concept that I had of myself as unattractive. I totally know what you mean. So it's this like about your stuff. It's like, yeah. I really yeah. like this is this was not. I I already knew what I had to deal with. This was not something I was planning on having to deal with. Yeah. So I like thanks. That's so funny that you say this because the other day I was in some like Instagram wormhole yeah. vortex and I yes. watch all these trash shows like Real Housewives and whatever and I just love the. Do you not like these shows? You're better than that. I do. I do, I don't. I've never watched those shows. Don't get into um, them. But I bet even though they're staged, what? to me it'd be like watching Animal Planet. Oh, well, like, there you go. it's just like... It's fascinating yeah. and weird. Yeah. I'm, I'm like so naive. I'm like, staged? What are you talking about? It's a reality show. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Okay. So no, but I was like in some Instagram wormhole and there is some couple on there that's getting a divorce or something mm-hmm. on one of the Real Housewives. And one of the mean comments was like... He's so much better looking than her. And then I started thinking prior to this conversation, I went, oh my God, I wonder if people think that about me and my boyfriend. Like who's more good? Who's the better looking person in my relationship? And uh, I've got photos here ready to go to show you after our podcast. (laughs) So you can tell me uh, I'm off the mic. But uh, 
Yeah, and it's a horrible way to think. But again, it's the objectification. It's the external. This person is measured by their external qualifications, and this person is measured by their as perceived by the viewer, and that person is going to dictate who they think should be with whom, and it's all a reflection of the inner insecurity of that commenter, commentator. Yeah, that's true. Commenter? Commentator, commenter, either one. The person who left the comment. The person who left the comment. (laughs) Oh, but it's weird though, because I used to only date like bizarre, ugly weirdos. That's what Aquarians well, do. Aquarians are drawn to people who are unique or outside the box. So they're not, they're usually not going to want to be with the conventional type individual. Yeah, because I don't think I respected it and I didn't think there could be depth. And what I've learned in my relationship is just like you're learning, as you learned in your relationship. Yeah, I went, wow, he's so kind, such stillness, his morals, his great morals. He's just like, I can trust him. And he's like, inner stillness and all this depth. I couldn't believe it. Honor thing? Sorry. Yeah, tell me, tell me. The other thing that I've come to kind of notice is I also was bullied by boys growing up. So I had a fear of boys my own age. So I also was drawn to men who are much older. Me too. Yeah. Because I thought like, also thought I I would be sexier because I was younger. Yeah. All of that. And you could learn stuff and I have daddy issues and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I... um, you know, but I was drawn to men who who weren't empirically good looking or who had been kind of the nerd and now had come into their um, into their achievement. And what I have come to realize, not just from my boyfriend, but also because he was a model in his twenties, and so a lot of his friends are kind of models, and so I've been around these men. And sometimes I'm like, "What the f is happening here?" But I have realized that guys who have been told they're good looking their whole life, and this is not all, this is just this particular segment that I've met, they're over it. Like they like they've had access oh. to any kind of woman who doesn't have substance and just wants them for their looks. And they want more. Yeah. Oh how interesting. So there's been an interesting thing of working through my judgment of like Good looking Same people. thing, which is, comes from my insecurity that the thing that set me apart was my depth or my intellect. And so you couldn't also be beautiful and have those things, which is so not true. And I counsel women who are beautiful and stunning as you are one of those women. Not Thank that I counsel you. you. Um, Lacey is absolutely beautiful. I mean, just name it, right? Who have enormous depth. So I, I had to work through my own judgment of if you were beautiful, you were superficial, which is something that my parents taught me. Um, and also had to apply it to men. Oh, just because you're good looking doesn't mean you're a douche. In fact, a lot of guys who weren't good looking, who didn't get the girls growing up. They want the idiot bonehead fake boobs for the validation that yeah. they're craving. And those those women are also They're people. fine too. Sorry, sorry. No, but, oh, they're also, God, but they're sorry. also people who who don't who allow themselves to be objectified. They are? Oh, I, the women. Yeah, because I think that they they then feel like that's their value. It's, 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 yeah. it's, you know what I mean? It's we're all like people just searching to be seen, 100%. accepted, to love ourselves, to figure out and what we're our... all running our story, whatever that is. Yeah. And we are living that story out until we find a different story or a different narrative. The funny thing is I would, because my dad's so smart, I don't talk to him because he's mean. Not, yeah. I got to get stay away yeah. from him. But uh, 
grew up in the art world and I was just like, and he's very smart, smart, narcissist, misogynist. Mm -hmm. So, and I never thought I was pretty. I thought I was like, I'm a weird, freaky, weird looking person with my this and that, whatever. Even with those like liquid blue eyes. You're so nice. This is great. I love you. (laughs) Fantastic. But, uh. I would be really judgmental of good-looking people, and I'd feel ugly around them, and I'd be the funny, yeah. funny cerebral like person with yeah. them. And then I would date all these like ugly—that's oh, horrible to say too—but like not not attractive, but, like geniuses mm-hmm. or mean genius comedians who were just like physically yeah. you wouldn't see them on the cover of Vogue or mm-hmm. whatever. Yes. Anyway, and then I was. T- Good, the good-looking person in that scene, and they didn't take me seriously. Yeah, so it was weird. So I was like stupid with them, or that's how I saw myself because I could just feel like I wasn't taken seriously because I used to do stand-up comedy and I'd be around other female comedians and I could tell it like I was what I look like hurt me, but I thought that was yeah. so weird because I felt so not pretty. And then when I would hang out with like the good-looking Erwan kind of. Uh, I can't even handle the good-looking guys at Erewhon sometimes. I get so nervous around them even still because like traditionally good-looking people freak terrify me. I was the same way. I was like I was terrified. terrified. And Have you and seen I Nina, the film about the stand-up comedian? No, Nina? Yeah. What when did this movie come out? Last year. Nina. So it's it's an in-depth exploration of a female stand-up comic and her unresolved childhood trauma. Is it a narrative? Is yeah, it a, it's a fiction film. Oh, okay. I've never, I didn't even hear about this movie. Yes. Okay, I'll watch this movie. Yeah, because I, I think it's funny. Yeah, like this is the best looking guy I've ever dated in my entire life. And I think, uh, yeah. It's funny because I said the other, I don't even know, not so long ago. Oh, we were with my, we were with my mom and I was saying something and he was there and I was like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I never made looks a priority and, I, and look who I ended up with. He goes, I'm right here. <laughs> God, I can hear you. Yeah, totally. Um, but I just, um, it, yeah, it's that's a whole other thing. And he, you know, he came of age in the model world, and so it's like, oh my god. I mean, it just it it comes with its own thing. But it's like I just realized that whatever the situation is, because even if I consider myself like my strong point, my intellect, if I were with someone who went to Princeton, which was like, if you talk about a list, that was my, I was obsessed with Princeton. You I don't know were? why I'm obsessed. And I was like, I want to be with someone from Princeton. Oh my God. I never, I, I, my grades weren't high enough to apply to Princeton. I never even, but like, I don't know. I just really was obsessed with Princeton. And if I were with someone for Princeton, I mean, not that someone from Princeton couldn't be incredibly kind and loving, but like, I'm sure that I would draw someone in and I would, it would be few, my insecurity about having not gone to an Ivy League school would have surfaced because I bring my own insecurity to whatever the relationship is. Yeah. So in this case, it's like, you know, I have to, I I have to work through and, and I've gotten so much better. My own, my own story that I'm running around that. Yeah. And then it's also, you know, the whole aging thing and we're the same age and like, you know, I don't, it's just what happens if I start to get older. He said, uh, but he was like, you are never allowed to get plastic surgery. Like he's just very anti. Yeah. I've not um, had any he of likes natural, but yeah. you know, it's just all of, all of those insecurities that, that come up that are interesting that maybe even you're not aware of until you're in a relationship. Yeah, that's the thing. It's so much easier to be alone. Yeah. We're never really alone. No. But it's so much easier to be single. 
because I and I've said this before, but I, I'll have like if I have a bad day or somebody something happens, and I'm alone and I'm not in a relationship, I internalize it, I deal with it, it's done, it's all happening in my mind. If I have a boyfriend and I tell him what happens, all of a sudden I've unconsciously, consciously decided mm-hmm. it's his job to make me feel better. And if he doesn't respond the right way, mm-hmm. and it's like I just mm-hmm. told you this thing happened, like that's what. Okay, thank you for not like right. But why is it all on him? And and it also, wouldn't have been a big totally. thing. For, it's just so much anyway. I know. And then and then because I'm a I'm an internal processor that way too. Like I'm a brooder, and I, I especially because I live with him. I, I I really don't brood anymore. And so sometimes I'll try and talk about it. And I'm like that's not the rest. I actually I just need to just brood Deal about with myself. It. Yeah. Um, but then he doesn't want to be around brooding, nor should he. He's, you know, so he goes for a surf or whatever is a healthy. A surf. Oh my God, <laughs> like what a, a dream response. life you live. This, yeah, you got a surfer. You know? I'm, I'm yeah, reducing him to a stereotype now too. Sorry. Um, no, totally. But, you know, I just, um, yeah, we have all these expectations, right? And we have all these ideas about how people should be in relationship and like, it's like, oh, right. How should I be in relationship and coming back to that and, yeah. and, you know, it's like, I don't want you to problem, problem solve. But then when he comes to me with something, I try and problem solve. And he's like, I don't need you to problem solve. And it's like, let's just mirror this back and forth forever. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's, it's, I will say relationships are a Petri dish for growth. Yeah. That's what, oh, that's what I was gonna, it's easier to be alone, but it's not as beneficial and you don't mm-hmm. grow as much. Mm-hmm. And it's just the rewards are so much greater, and I, I want to learn. I want to get over all my shit because if I don't, yeah, learn or about at least it, make peace with it. Because I don't know that we fully graduate. I mean, maybe we do. I think that it's it's making peace with the process of yeah. it. Yeah, you know. Oh God, what was I going to tell you? Something. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh my God. Do you find do you find that um, you have learned a great deal of yourself through acting courses? No. Ugh, acting courses. I've learned that I no, I don't want to take them. <laughs> they're irritating. I've taken like every single one in Los Angeles. That was like late just, teens, twenties. All it seems like a lot of times people just end up feeling shit about themselves. Yeah, in those it's classes. like most of the time it was like a teacher with a weird ego yeah. who's like, I don't like putting himself on a pedestal, trying to make people feel like shit. No thanks. Yeah, and and I was just I would just work. I would rather mm-hmm. just, I I don't know, and then. I say that because um, my boyfriend said it was Susan Batson in New York, oh, back in New York. I went to her one time in New York, and then I had like uh, one-on-one coaching with her a long time ago. Yeah, like he 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 loves her approach, and um, I know that he refers to her book, and it's a lot of like discover. Like when we met and I started talking about the inner child and all that stuff, he's like, that's so interesting. That sounds a lot like the drama of the gifted child. Oh, the drama of the with gifted Alice child. With Alice Miller, which... Um, I think that acting, um, I think that class, um, Susan Batson told him to read that. I think, I don't want to, um, but he's just said how, how, how much he's, he learned from studying with her in terms of, um, psychology and, and development and awareness. But I do think it, it then can shift into a place. Yeah. Where it's ego. I, I, he speaks very highly of her, but I just think a lot of times those situations, it's like sometimes you learn about yourself because of the adversity of like, oh, this doesn't feel good and I don't have to do this. This is not, this is not what I have to do to get in. Yeah. I think I prefer writing. I prefer yeah, writing as and catharsis talk- and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and talking to people and that is it. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Did you do his chart? 
Did you? Oh, how, how soon? How soon into dating did you? I mean, like I think the second date, and I think I like snub, like. I kind of snuck it in because I was like, what, you know, what time are you born? Well, and then like what? only after he told me, he was like, oh, now I know why. Oh, what do you mean? Because he then figured out, like, he was like, because I pulled up his chart and he's like, oh, I didn't realize we were doing this, you know? Uh, yeah. He just didn't, because he, now that he's been with me, he knows like what that question means. But, you know, second date, he didn't really. Yeah. So he gave you the exact time of, mm-hmm. I, what do you do, text his mom or something? Like, no, he, he actually knew. I have now my he's boyfriend. like, I'm not sure. Whatever. Oh God! <laughs> but uh, but yeah. I mean, I, I just I have a um I have a bit of a photographic memory, so I just have his chart. Like I just know it. Oh my visually. God! Yeah, I've got my my boyfriend's chart done. Mm-hmm. It's all on my computer and now a whole PDF of like all <laughs> yeah. this stuff. All the, and it's funny because you know again. You know, British English guys, mm-hmm. that's not their deal. They don't love talking about feelings. It is a cultural thing. And he met the girl who loves talking about her feelings of more than anything. Yeah. Because it's also attractive because it's so the, uh, the American obsession with confession and, uh, you know, catharsis, it can be so appealing but to a says, buttoned up. But he says he doesn't like it. I'm sure. But he loves it. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Oh, I went to see a rabbi for my friend. So I said, meet my, with my rabbi. And I was like, all right. Like I just yeah. did it just because. And that's what the rabbi <laughs> said. The rabbi was like, he says he doesn't yeah. like it. He loves yeah. it. But don't tell him he loves it because then you'll, you'll burst the bubble. Like yeah. just, just let it be. Like the, yeah. the, it's, it's a balance. But uh, yeah, so now he'll be at parties and much like the Erewhon thing, I'll, I'll, I'll overhear him. I'll, I'll overhear him talking to somebody at a party. And he'll be like, my rising sign's Aquarius. My moon's in Aquarius. And I'm like, oh my God. Totally. Unbelievable. Totally. Yeah. Daniel won't, won't quite do that, but I, I will... Wait, Almost his there. name? Yeah, we have the same name. You have the same yeah. name? And one or something freaky? Yes. So he's born, a, um, not to give it away, but he's born December 15th in New Zealand. My dad is December 14th in America, which is the same day because they're a day ahead. Oh my God. And then my dad's dad is December 15th. Oh my God. And how funny. And my boyfriend's mom, mm-hmm. sister, and uh, grandma are all Aquarians. Yeah. Not as dead on yeah. as your thing. But oh my God. Do you want to get married? Is that the next thing? Is that the next like reason to fight? Yeah, (laughs) reason to feel like are we not where we're supposed to be? Vibe? Yeah, I know the kids, the thing, the marriage, all this stuff. Like, ugh, I'm not ready for any of it. I thought I was, but now the idea of the idea of like not having my own place and moving in with somebody else and not having a place to escape to. Like, I want him to ask me to live with him or for us to like go. I want to be space. wanted. Yeah, but, but I need... space is... That's yeah. a tug of war between... Plus rent control. Yeah. <laughs> it's, very, it's a great deal, I'll tell you later. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, it's like it's like under $1,500 yeah. a month. No, it's like unheard of. It's unheard of. You, you speaking, know, of you, speaking of real estate in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah, relationship choices based on real estate. No, I mean, I think it's all... Um, Oh, it's such a personal thing. It's such a complex thing. Oh, and being this age too, I feel like I'm 38. I'm like yeah. terrified. I'm oh my God. Well. Yeah. And I and I, I didn't freeze my eggs. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask him to freeze an embryo because I just don't even want to do that. I don't even want to get into yeah. that. I'm, I'm like trying to enjoy my relationship and not be a nutcase with them. You know what? I just heard that the average age for the first time mother in Santa Monica is 41. In Santa Monica? And in Malibu, it's later. Isn't that because they're all getting like IVF? Yeah. Oh. Or maybe not. I don't know. I think, I don't know. I think the I love that it's Santa thing. Monica and Malibu. I'm like, you're really zeroing in on the, this is fantastic. Okay. Someone just told me that. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, um, 
I mean, what the F? I, I just talked about this on, on Lacey's podcast. How many too. times have you been on Lacey's podcast? 20 times. Th- three. Three times. To, yeah, she's about to put out another one, which is more of just like a shoot the shit conversation, which I, I have insecurities about You're my, gonna, what I talked about. But are you going like, to freak out about this one? No, no, no. You no. shouldn't. No. Okay. Um, but, in, you know, I, it's a process because... You know, sometimes you're not on the same exact clock as who, as, as two people, partner. as your partner. Yeah, that's you know, but it, maybe you're both not. You know, I I have. We're. I feel like we're both at the same place. So it's only my ego if I ever want to go like, how come we're not living together? Why are we yeah. pregnant? Or why so are we married? Ego. And I do, this That's is where the ego. spiritual and this is where the prayer and this is where the like connection to something higher is like, um, and this is where Lacey's expanders are so powerful. It's like when you see people living all different kinds of lives, oh, yeah. not just the conventional ones, it's, um, or all different timelines, like people have their first child in their forties or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, relationships are an ongoing negotiation. Yeah, if I really look at it and I take all my ego, like things should be this way or whatever, or I'm being judged or I'm, I'm freaking out. If I push all that aside, like I like where I am, yeah. I just need I want to follow through with my work. Yeah, do like uh, beautiful, write my stuff, and I just I'm really into simplifying my life yeah. lately, where it's like. Oh, I'm not. I gotta stop saying yes to things. Oh no, you gotta stop saying yes. I'm so I, excited to stop saying yes. I, I I'm a big no person because I give in my work so much and then I have a partnership and then I have my friends, but I really, I, I need a lot of downtime and I had to cut out all like, can we get coffees? I'm I had to. done with it. Yeah. And I, it's not that I don't, I, I have an embarrassment of riches in terms of the people that I adore in my life. I just can't. I just can't. I don't have. I just don't have the bandwidth. People want to hang with us, but you know when yeah. I hang with people, podcasting. <laughs> totally <laughs> okay. That's why. Yeah, that's yeah. We're having our moment. We'll probably yeah. never see each other again. Yeah. Totally. Or I'll it's run fine. into an yeah. one, and I'll be like, oh, <laughs> run into yeah. Totally. Oh my god. But uh, yeah, I'm just. We'll I, DM. I, we'll DM, and that's fine <laughs> because, like, I just can't. Yeah, it's like it doesn't mean I'm not holding space, you know, energetically or sending love. I just. I need yeah. to say, I want a simpler life. I and I, it's like I love my boyfriend. Yeah. You gotta get out of here. We gotta land this plane. I love my boyfriend. <laughs> I love traveling. I like hotels. I like fancy stuff. I like nice food. I like being alone mm-hmm. or having sex and being cozy mm-hmm. and meditative with my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I'm done. I just can't do it. Like, yeah. But tell no, me it's depleting. Tell me one thing mm-hmm. that me that I can do uh, and my listeners can do to make their life better aside from like go to your website and sign up and get a one-on-one <laughs> session. I'm not kidding. But like like give them a little bit of like uh, leave them with some of your essence and, and words of wisdom. That they can just um, take with start them. to become aware of, not even saying meditating, just start to become aware of the running inner monologue. Um, just honestly, something as simple as noticing it can start to dissolve it. Oh God, you're right. I'm just trying to give the most simple thing that, you know, that can have, um, you know, unintended beneficial consequences. You're so right. I'm going to, yeah. And then the other thing is if you feel like you're stuck in a rut, um, you know, do Lacey's um, thing. But also um, I find that 
making really small microscopic changes. So for example, you may not even be aware or one may not even be aware that they're going to the same, let's say coffee shop or grocery store every day. Try a different one. Just see if something starts to shift. Like just, you can start with something really small. If you get a half calf, half decaf soy latte, what happens if you get, you know, a cafe au lait? I mean, like really small, and just see if there are ripple effects. I'm because do that, yeah. They um they had us do that at at USM again to plug USM um in the third year um or something like making microscopic changes, and it was wild because also as a reader, I would read students papers and reports about what making those changes, the consequences of them. And we think we have to make these giant changes. Um, and it's, it's wild how even the smallest ones can. And if we're someone, conversely, if we're someone who is, doesn't have any kind of routine at all, see what keeping one thing consistent in your life brings. I love this. Yeah. Those are my two manageable because people are throwing things at people all the time of what to do. And most importantly, just, you know, at least start to make space to listen to the still quiet voice within. I love that. I was going to say with the voices in your head and mm-hmm. attention to your inner monologue, I notice when I get reactive or upset in my relationship, mm-hmm. it's not what the other person is doing. Mm-hmm. It's the story I'm telling myself about the 100%. thing. 100%. Which is a, which is a lie. I mean, he says to me all the time, I feel like you assume things and go and have catastrophic thinking. Yeah. He's like, me too. first of all, you didn't even ask. You just assumed. And then your assumption is the worst. He's like, doesn't feel so good. Always the worst. (laughs) Yeah. I like to push it to the limit. I like to tell us, you feel this way and this is how it is and this is what's happening. And my boyfriend's like, what are you? None of that is true. Oof, but I got to cut it out because it's like abuse. Anyway, (laughs) final thing that I wanted to say, uh... All right. Um, wait. Oh, God, don't go. Something. I feel like being in a relationship makes me braver. I don't oh, know why I wanted to tell you that. Like, so I'll, I'll go out and do things. I feel like oh, I have a, a person I can experience new things with. Such a nice thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I felt the need to say that. That's but beautiful. I remember. Anyway, go live your life. <laughs> and thank you for being on my podcast. Oh, my God. Thank you for having me. This yeah. was such a wonderful Thursday morning conversation. You and your tiny, tiny feet. <laughs> I've never been so jealous in all my life. Anyway, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>